Danny, what's up, man? I got these movies here. You see them? Oh, I see those movies. These movies are the bomb, no man. No way, the bomb diggity? The box office bomb diggity. Oh, well, that doesn't sound so exciting. But no, don't worry. They're actually also just the regular the bomb. Oh, are you trying to say... Let me see if I'm tracking here. Uh-huh. These are box office bombs, but they're actually good? No. What? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm telling you. Good. I'm ready to slap the faces of American moviegoers who spent their ticket money unwisely. Or in solitude. Yeah. Welcome back to Movies for Win, everybody. We sure hope you enjoyed the video episode. Video episode! on our youtube channel we had a great time recording it we're back in these separate recording spaces now uh we'll do that again soon don't worry more videos to come <laughs> movies for one youtube channel we love you we thank you for watching pig is a treasure speaking of treasures denny treasure treasure <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> What's the uh, what's uh, what's the episode this week, Denny? The episode this week is movies for when you want to see a box office bomb that is actually good. And boy, do we That's have right. some for you! Boy, do we have some for you! Count them three. One, two, three. Uh, Eyes on the lady. Uh, oh. Shut I'm up. Doing Vegas casino we... stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I call. Uh, I don't know. Um... <laughs> This intro Listen. was a bluff. <laughs> Is that good? All right. I, I didn't watch Casino Royale in a long time, so I'm a little rusty. Yeah, same. I only saw it in we theaters. Should, I should have Texas held that to myself. Oh, shit. I should have folded you in half seven times. and You could say that 21 more times. <laughs> Hit me! <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, box office bombs that actually rule everybody Woo! if you thought these movies bombed just wait till you listen to our intros boy do they but we just mm. keep coming back i'm drinking my tango charlie hard smelt unnamed hard seltzer your koozie made me think it was in a cut in half whataburger cup yeah it's a whataburger koozie so <laughs> Is that just a fry pouch he put on his beard? What the hell? Greg. No, no, it's on purpose. I literally just bought you koozies, man. Don't tell me you already That's... sold them for, 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 I don't know, trying to think of something funnier than drug money, but the, um, don't, Nothing's don't, funnier don't than tell drugs. me you already sold them for more Country Bears DVDs. How many do you need, man? As many as it takes. Well, I'm laughing because I just took a sip out of my Nautilus and, uh, 
Don't look. You lost your straw, didn't you? No, no, no. I got a bendy one at Vanessa's okay. recommendation. So now okay. I never lose my straw. But this tastes like pure vodka. I did not mix this well. So we're going <laughs> to. Did you put ice in it? There's ice, uh, flat club soda, um, and nice. blue curacao. Why use flat club soda, you might ask? Well, because I'm drinking out of a novelty ride vehicle mug that's shaped like a, f- a fake submarine, and I can't get it into <laughs> the refrigerator water dispenser. <laughs> so Luke- I have to use the <laughs> <Jeez. soda. laughs> Loses that fizz in the giant boat, does it? Yeah, uh. it's, it's compressed, so you don't want to alter the pressure around it when it goes underwater at all that depth. It's a lot of leagues to be under the sea. Yeah. Denny... We have an actual show to do. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Box office bombs that actually rule. We're here to talk about movies that tanked in the box office, or at least didn't even break even in one case. Thanks, audience. (laughs) And, um, yeah, now that we've got some hindsight, we actually think they're good movies. But for whatever reason at the time, they just lost a lot of money for whatever studio put them out. What are our three movies, Denny? Our three movies are Greg's Pick, treasure planet as nicholas cage would pronounce the word treasure um hell yeah my pick king of com the king of comedy to uh to make it distinct from bernie max the original kings of comedy which is usually what people think i'm talking about when i talk about that movie and our audience pick clue thanks audience thanks audience yeah. you picked good yeah picked good I've- a surprising landslide victory that, in the straw poll for Clue. That blew my mind because our options were based on suggestions. Uh, yes. We, we let people suggest movies and our options were Clue, Waterworld, Death to Smoochie, and Popstar Never, Never Stop Never Stopping. So the I would say the three most suggested things in the comment thread were... Shawshank Redemption and the Iron Giant, which we didn't, mm-hmm. we chose not to do them because we were really going for more of a hidden gems type of thing with this episode. And then after that, it was Pop Star and Waterworld, I would say. And Clue was just suggested by Vanessa, like she was the only one who suggested it, and it just trounced everything in the polls. Like it, I, I didn't realize it was so, like, well followed and well loved. All these years, twenties, what, thirty six years later. Yeah. No, crazy. It's a great movie, and yeah. I will say, while I am, I'm glad Clue won and was happy to rewatch it. Um, I was upset that we didn't do Waterworld for one reason and one reason only. I wanted to talk about how they chose to have a hook scene where the protagonist drinks his own pee. That's <laughs> how we met Kevin Costner in that movie, and I just—that's going to make great audio for some happy listeners one day, and I, I know we'll do it eventually. But today, it's Clue, baby. It's Clue. Thank you for all the suggestions, everybody. Yeah. You can find uh, future posts with uh, suggestions we'll be asking for in the future on Facebook yeah. and also the Twitter account at Movies for When. It's great. We had so many suggestions. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Uh, we picked the four movies that we wanted to do most. Uh, everybody had great suggestions. We just picked the four we wanted most. Sorry to Iron Giant. That's one of my favorite movies, but I already picked a... <laughs> Uh, late 90s slash early 2000s cartoon with Treasure Planet, so I had to I kind of vetoed Iron Giant because it was too similar for me. We're all about balance and variety on this show. 
Um, mm-hmm. I do want to, and I thought World of World was going to win. I thought for sure, um, but I, I I voted for it. I voted for I voted for Death to Smoochie. Actually, believe it or not, we had a lot of suggestions for Death to Smoochie. Yeah, and I, I I know I rented it when I was in middle school, and I really have no memory of it beyond that. But I do remember like being a middle Never schooler and being like. I think this is more of like a smart comedy for adults, and I'm more into like Austin Powers and Vacation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I definitely got the like the impression that I was a little too young for it. Same thing happened with Office Space, and apparently I was perceptive enough to know how dumb I was. So that's (laughs) that's always nice, right? No, that's fine. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. To this, oh, that doesn't work. I was gonna say to this planet. I don't have to dive because I've got a submarine. Dive, dive, dive. I don't know. I just, I just got a beer. We're gonna go to space now. We're gonna Shit. go to space with Treasure Planet. Treasure, Treasure Planet. Um, this was my selection. Uh, you can find this movie on Disney Plus. It is a movie. I believe it came out in two thousand two. It is about a young man. Uh, this is an old story, a uh, classic tale. By Robert Louis Stevens. Um, this movie is, of course, based on the infamous Muppet Treasure Island. So, <laughs> if you're looking to find the source material, please just—it's also on Disney Plus. You joke, but one of my first notes that I was going to bring up was I have never interacted with the Treasure Island movie or or um, books in any way other than Muppet Treasure Island. So I'm actually being like, <laughs> oh. So they chose, I'm well versed they chose in not this. to put Fozziewig in this. <laughs> Interesting choice. That was like my only frame of reference other than just like... I understand. You can't fit everybody. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie came out when I was 11 or 12. I think I was 12 years old when this movie came out. It's basically the story of one young Jim... I forgot his last name. Hawkins. Uh, well, I don't know if that's his name. In- Jim Hawkins, yes. He is. Uh, he comes across a map. He's filled his head with stories since he was a young boy that there is a planet out there in space made of treasure. That all the treasures of all the universe that a famous space pirate collected stored all of his treasure in one place. And in his teenage years, an old mysterious turtle, come, space turtle, comes to his spaceport cafe. Sure. Delivers a map to Treasure Planet, the fabled planet of treasure. And he has a journey to get to this planet of treasure. It's great. It's a classic story. If you like Long John Silvers, which if you do, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) This is where the name comes from. Oh, man. John John Silver stands in his way. In this movie, he is a uh, cyborg human bear creature. And it's great. It's a fun movie. I like it. I just realized that the wrestler John Silver is referencing Long John Silver with his name. You just now put that together? I never put that together. I don't read. I don't even know who that is. I don't read. <laughs> but you watch Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> I guess so. I I guess it's just you, without the long. He, you go get terrible oh, fish sandwiches, right? That is, no, I don't. Um, that's funny because John Silver, the wrestler, don't, is short, don't. so he couldn't be long John Silver. That makes sense. I get the joke. You have a peg leg? 
No. Well, no, it's in his tights if it's there. Um, <laughs> shout out, shout out to our boy Johnny Hungy. Proud of you. Proud of you for your Treasure Island reference. <laughs> Treasure Planet, Denny. Please. Sorry, Muppet Treasure Island reference. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's stick to the source material, yeah. please. Um, um, yeah, I uh, I had what's what's sorry. Go ahead. I was about to tell you. No, what you were gonna ask. Fuck. Uh, what's what's your history with this movie? Denny? Um, I had never seen it. Um, basically. In middle school, I was, like, too cool for school a little bit. And some of the, like, more family-oriented movies that came out in that time that I, like, just completely missed the boat on were Finding Nemo. Or Space Boat. Or Space Boat. Ship. They're called Ships in Space. I don't um, care. Were uh, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, and pretty much this. Um, mm-hmm. So I just never saw it. I came back around and watched most of them. I don't have the same sentimental attachment to them, but honestly, people kept recommending Treasure Planet to me, and I just kind of assumed that it was going to be like a lot of those Don Bluth movies, which I do respect Mr. Don Bluth, and I love his work. As a kid, I was kind of a snob, and I could tell when they were Disney and when they weren't, Um, and I I liked authentic Disney as a kid, but I basically just assumed that this was going to be like Rockadoodle or Anastasia, um, which... Uh, you know, like, nothing against them, but I saw them for the... Well, I didn't like Anastasia as a kid. I actually thought it sucked. Um, but I saw Rockadoodle Think- in my adult life with some people who, like, really loved it. Um, and it just didn't do the same thing for me. And it was very clear that there needed to be, like, a, a childhood attachment there. So I really thought the Treasure Planet was going to be very much in that vein. And... Uh, I was very surprised at how much I loved this movie. I thought it was a really, really, really great flick. I really did. Damn. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, it's very, very well done. Man, I I think I saw it in theaters as a kid. I was one of the elite few (laughs) that saw this huge budget (laughs) Disney film in the theaters in in November of 2002. Wow. Um... Yeah, I I only saw it when I was younger, and I remember really enjoying it. And then that that's kind of why I recommended it for this show. That's why it was my pick because I was like, I remember really enjoying yeah. this. I don't remember too much about it. I remember like a few select scenes, but I don't really recall the story as a whole. Yeah. Of course, outside of the source material, Muppet Treasure Island, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the character. I remember. Uh, Jim Hawkins, I remember John Silver, I remember the spider lobster scorpion space guy thing. Spider lo- Oh, and- that scary guy. Yeah. Mm, my spider. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> Pretty solid impression. <laughs> he does say I'm a spider yeah, a lot. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> that's his, that's his catchphrase, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Rowe didn't make it. <laughs> I have claws like a lobster. Don't put rubber bands on. I love you, Greg. I love you so much. For that? That sucks. <laughs> well, I love you for a lot of reasons, and uh, that's just another another tally on the reasons to love Greg for me. Uh, put add it, add it to the list, baby. <laughs> um, so this movie... It was a 140, 140 million dollar budget that 
domestically grossed not 100 but just 38 million dollars globally it made 110 but it's it's still lost 30 million but the domestic to the budget is just obscene this movie destroyed 2d animation at disney this movie tanked so hard that films that were being created that were 2d animation disney said if it's not too far along scrap the movie there was i believe home on the range and one other movie that were the only were two um movies that came out after this only because they were too far along in production to completely cancel because this movie bombed so hard wow and disney thought that was because it was 2d which i hate because and i know that this is like purely at the time it kind of was why you really think so i think so i think the transition was getting made to pixar movies and then they did chicken little they did bolt they did meet the robinsons or whatever all movies that were successful even though you look back now they kind of suck fucking sucks the movie's shit (laughs) bolt sucks (laughs) um yeah you know and i know it's just from like growing up on it and i'm sure i wouldn't feel the same way if i'd been born like 10 years later which is fine um born in the wrong generation really should have been born 10 years later (laughs) (laughs) um so i could hang out with the cool the cool zoomers and not remember 9-11 all right go ahead (laughs) Um, i will understand tiktok and forget 9-11 so (laughs) what were you gonna say i'm gonna try not to take the bait and talk more about 9-11 yeah let's treasure planet treasure planet planet, planet, let's go treasure planet um treasure there's planet. a note right next to the note i'm about to pull from that uh mm-hmm. that, that references 9-11 so I'm God, really come on not, um no 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 um all i'm saying is i really love 2d animation and i wish that we could have both like 2d and 3d because 3d is cool as hell too and mm-hmm. i really thought that treasure planet when i was watching it i was like man this is the next step in the evolution you know, like, they did, they definitely incorporated um, a lot of 3D animation, like, depth of field and technology and things they did with that. That, mm-hmm. it, you know, it really reminded me of, like, the Great Mouse Detective and Aladdin when they're in the Cave of Wonders. Just, like, to me, I was like, that's a really cool blend, and it just, it works differently in 2D for me. Um, but I have some other theories about why this bombed, and I'm going to ignore the 9-11 one. Um please so i actually looked this up for every movie that we're doing today and nice um, good so like when something bombs i think something that never gets talked about is what else was showing because like Mm -hmm. does anyone ever wonder what movies came out the same weekend as jaws you know (laughs) like um yeah there so like it to me i'm like a lot of the time especially with these ones we're talking about it's like it's not that it bombed because it sucked maybe it wasn't striking a cultural nerve or maybe people weren't interested in it but maybe it's competition had something to do with it so i looked up what else was what else was showing for each of these movies. i'm trying and i'm trying i'm trying to guess for treasure planet ooh, I've, I've got two that i wrote down for treasure planet give me some guesses gladiator was 2000 um what would have been taking like the kids market well the matrix trilogy was that 2002 uh it was definitely happening the second and third movies no the second and third were three 
Okay, then uh, I'm drawing a blank. Go ahead. What what was coming out at the same time as Treasure Planet in 2002? And so no, November 2002. Not not all of these were released the same day when I go through these, and I forgot to annotate what was. But this is what was still in theaters while this was playing. Um, mm-hmm. So this was a Thanksgiving release, and or at least like Thanksgiving ballpark release. It was up against James Bond, Die Another Day, and oh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, what okay. movie do you think most kids in this target demographic wanted to go see? Showgirls. Well, yeah, they love it. Um, <laughs> I kind of guess it's the Harry Potter movie. Yeah, so I've got to think that I'm like, man you can't ignore that and blame it all on it being 2d and i haven't looked into any sort of like marketing research or honestly anything beyond that but i'm like you can't just look at those two movies side by side also in just like the harry potter frenzy of the early 2000s you can't blame it all on 2d is what i'm saying yeah like you made a tactical error thinking you could compete at all with a harry potter movie for that demographic Disney, you screwed up. Your only hope was, like, Harry Potter being sold out and kids having to settle for something else and not liking it. So, like, <laughs> like yeah, that was a... You should not have released this head-to-head with Harry Potter. This isn't even, yeah, like, an established... A... I, well, okay, Treasure Island is, but it's not like kids in the 2000s were, like, sitting around romanticizing uh the old novel treasure island you know like it's not like any kid gave a shit they already had a perfectly good muppets treasure island and they were about six months away from pirates of the caribbean so they just they popped that into the vcr they're like i wish this was in space (laughs) they put the muppets in space which that was different yeah it was not as good the sandwich talked in that movie (laughs) i try to like everything david arquette is in because i think he rules but uh I can't. I can't say I like Muppets in Space, and I'm a, I'm a Muppets guy. I like the Muppets a lot. <sighs> we all love the Muppets. <clears throat> Those of us with uh, good sensibilities. Um, if you want to hear more about how and why this movie tanked, uh, I'm going to recommend the podcast Blank Check. They do a series based on directors, and they did a whole two and a half hour episode just on Treasure Planet. And basically what happened. It's a it's a really, really good podcast. It's very interesting. Uh, maybe they've covered your favorite director. Who's to say? Um, I won't spoil too much of what they talk about, but I will spoil one joke where they call... This movie came out, you had Titan AE and Atlantis, all these protagonists with the same haircut that they refer to as the boy Rachel. <laughs> Listen to Blank Check, guys. It's really good. I, I call it the animated Sean Hunter, personally. It's like they're just like pulling their hair back, but it keeps falling in front of their yeah, eyes. Yeah, that's, that's Sean Hunter's gimmick, man. That's that's it's a like, boy meets world gimmick if I've ever seen it. Uh, it is the boy that Rachel. That middle part. It is the boy Rachel. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, how do you, how do you feel about this movie? I I know you said you really liked it. You enjoyed it. Um. Man, well. I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what you already said with like the mixing the 2D with the 3D yeah, animations. Yeah. I think that's what impressed me so much the first time I saw it. But on 
or like the first couple times I saw it, but on this rewatch, I was a little more hesitant with the 3D animations. Okay. Uh, the CGI in this movie, it's just like anything from 2002, unfortunately. Like, it didn't stand the test of time, except for the stuff that is like filling in little gaps. Mm -hmm. So if there's just, like, one little thing they could touch up with CGI, like John Silver's eye, that stuff is really good. Like, the scene where they go to the Montrester spaceport, that's, like, the moon, like, the crescent moon yeah. shape, but it's actually, like, a spaceport. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were about to say but, it was bad, and I was like, I don't know that we no, watched the same thing, man. It was really it was cool. Awesome. So, like, this grandiose use of CGI can work, but then you've got these space whales that kind of suck. Like there's there's good and bad moments. I really like the minimal uses. Some of the more extravagant uses work a lot better, but not all the time. Yeah, the the space whales were in a montage that I have some thoughts on, so we'll get to that later. Um, there were a few montages yeah, here, baby. Uh, no, when when I'm saying like the animation that I loved was, I'm talking like they would do like a camera pan in like the ship. And you would see this, like, really cool depth of field um, mm -hmm. while they were doing it. And that just kept impressing me. Like, throughout, like, just the whole movie, I kept just being like, God, this looks good. This is beautiful. There's not a lot like it. You know, like, I think uh, I already referenced The Great Mouse Detective. I think if you go back to that, it's one of the first times they really tried it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not something you saw a lot of. And I, I just thought it worked so well, man. You know, because, like, I remember they tried it in the second Pokemon movie, uh, the one with mm -hmm. Lugia and Ho-Oh. They, they did the hybrid, and 2D hadn't caught up to 3D, and it really didn't work for me. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid, and I still remember being like, you missed your mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pokemon. Um, really didn't work for me. Um, and I feel like by Treasure Planet, um, it had, 2D had caught up and like been computerized enough that you could do a 2D animation and blend it well with like some 3D elements. And that's what kept impressing me throughout this. Yeah. Oh, man. Especially in the montages. Okay, let's get to the montages. The Becoming My Father Figure montage was not what I expected. <sighs> But yeah, yeah. Some in impressive visuals to some music That's, that was oh, for the time. Even in the time, tonally that song did not fit. Like it was like you've got fucking space pirates and you do this Chris Daughtry sounding motherfucker over some fucking royalty free music dot com tracks. And by the way, I know who really sang it, and it's the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say something if you no, didn't. No, no, no. I, I, I wanted to give credit where credit is due. I actually love the Goo Goo Dolls, and 90s alt rock is my old man music that I will listen to forever. Um, but it wasn't the 90s. It was 2002, and I'm going to say the note I said I wouldn't say. I blame the Goo Goo Dolls and 9-11 for this movie bombing. That's who's really at fault. Because that was, like... That song, and then the other one they did in the roll credits, were the only things that I just, like, 
truly did not like about this movie just completely took me out of it broke my immersion and i was like god this sucks this is so fucking shitty i don't know that i've ever heard another song fuck up an otherwise good movie like that like i've never really encountered something so abrasive because like they i think they flew too close to the sun because they had all these things that shouldn't work that were working it's like when has a fucking like let's put the franchise in space ever been a good story um and they've got that and we're in this even the muppets couldn't do it not even the muppets and they can do anything um they can get the band back together why can they but like i'm still holding out for country bears in space which i think will redeem the franchise but i'm saying like i loved that it was like dude (laughs) it's in space and everyone fucking dresses and talks like colonial pirates and it just fucking works like it's just it's just it just works they don't address it they don't acknowledge it it just works they have all these things that are working that really shouldn't be working and then that song plays and i was like jesus this is bad like this is horrible there's a couple examples of that for me where it's just like you've got this uh classic aesthetic this classic story mixed with the future of space and space travel and exploration and then they put some bullshit here in the middle (laughs) some of it is the goo goo dolls and some of it is uh doing your little cool rad sailing skateboard tricks yeah i will say about (laughs) and your and your boy rachel cut (laughs) i lived in austin for three years and that made me finally want to paddleboard when i saw him doing his space skateboard skateboard tricks i was like space skateboard closest thing to that is paddleboarding and it finally looks cool to me hell yeah man (laughs) oh man so when are they gonna fucking nut up and make treasure planet part of tomorrowland in the magic kingdom you fucking cowards put this in the disney parks we need a following because this would be perfect for a theme park ride this would be perfect that's one thing i know that disney is going to do is sink more money into this movie yeah (laughs) somehow inflate that budget those guys learned their lesson not well they actually did Uh... I i don't know who i'm dissing I, slam dunk it, disney parks it wasn't feel the burn disney parks i dissed them for learning their lesson and then said they didn't learn it but they actually did because they did not sink any more money into this and like literally changed their the entire direction of their animation division <laughs> what a great film <laughs> oh man what else did you like about the movie denny did you like the giant black hole the star going supernova yeah i liked it man that was intense there were some intense scenes man dude i liked almost everything about this movie honestly um i felt bad uh spoilers when mr arrow flew into the uh cosmic abyss that's one of my fears is like floating off into space and just like that the concept of that terrifies me but now i know that Mr. Arrow is just going to be floating behind some cosmic bookshelves, knocking over books and rearranging sand for Matthew McConaughey's daughter. I was your ghost. Mr. Arrow was your ghost, Murph. Murph. (laughs) Make him stay. 
Make him stay, Mr. Rare. Oh, yeah, I Captain. <laughs> no, uh, see, I'd already seen Muppet Treasure Island and had vivid memories of Sam Eagle growing up as a Deus Ex Machina. Um, <laughs> Greg's doing Spaceman stuff. <laughs> so I'm floating. Where yeah, I, I always knew Mr. Mr. Arrow would be okay. Um, I think what I liked most about this movie is that it really hit the sweet spot between uh or sorry the the sweet pop the sweet yep. spot of taking itself seriously but not too seriously yeah they treated the story with the respect it needed for us to give a shit about it but they also like never lost sight of the fact that there needs to be some jokes and this is inherently kind of silly we're like on pirate spaceships and it makes no sense and no i just i thought they really they struck a balance that many movies fail to strike i thought they did a really good yeah. job they really nailed the tone and it's it's such a hard story to screw up but putting it in space you could easily drop the ball and i don't think they did at all with the story um and the uh the tone i thought there was maybe a little bit too much comic relief because you got you know the doctor cracking wise you got morph the little cute character you got ben the robot karmic relief and then you got a little fart slug like there's a lot of <laughs> comic relief in the movie but i don't feel like it derailed the tone of the film too terribly well, much. yeah that's the thing i think i'm so desensitized to all this joss whedon adjacent bullshit that's in every fucking movie mm -hmm. now um that this didn't seem egregious to me at all compared to what's happening in avengers endgame so <laughs> yeah this is surprisingly and refreshingly subtle and there's f four yeah comic relief characters well yeah and I, I i don't think i don't think they ever did comic relief to tell me don't care about what's happening you know like it yeah. never like ruined a moment or like we've said it before like built tension and then like broke the tension to be like don't get too worried we want everyone happy and buying merchandise like i hate that shit um let let me care about your movie you know um mm -hmm. yeah man i just i loved the shit out of it what um what genre should we call this i uh i think it's somewhere between cyberpunk and steampunk maybe boat punk <laughs> uh ooh lit punk american lit punk <laughs> i don't know if robert louis Stevenson's american or not but lit, lit, literature steam slash space punk cyberpunk it's it's a hard genre to crack down it's uh it's you know imaginative adventure film with with cyberpunk elements with a lot of auxiliary bullshit but you know <laughs> it serves serves the tone serves the aesthetic really well but so who cares sorry to to track back to uh to comic relief can i ask you how you felt about what i view as a goat tear fart joke i'm fluent and flatulent <laughs> that was really funny man <laughs> i laughed they they could have called it any other language, but they just straight up called it flatulent, and I I I gotta respect that. Yeah, no, they they totally nailed it on that. Did they ever come back to that uh 
mom reading the kid a bedtime story thing what do you mean the movie in, there's an opening scene where a kid's reading a story and mom's like you're supposed to be in bed and they're going all fucking princess bride on us and what yeah that's jim that's jim that's the main character of the story. What are you talking Fuck. about? They 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 came back to it the whole movie. I just got fucking embarrassed on the air. <laughs> they revisited it for the remainder of the film. I thought that was a Princess Bride thing. <laughs> Where that's the No the story that they're reading. And I just noticed I was like, they never came back to that. He has the same haircut. Denny, buddy. Oh man, this is the most unable to understand a children's movie I've ever been publicly. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? Well, my reputation is ruined. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, I fucking missed that shit. <laughs> I thought they were reading the story I... of the movie. I can't even make fun of you because it's just <laughs> the. They said, like, in the next two scenes, like, Jim, those are just stories. Well, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Stories they he read as a child in the book in the bedroom, like, over there. The bedroom's over there. Well, then, why do, why do they have paper books in space? Don't try to back out of no, this. We're, we're already done with books. Books fucking suck. People who like to read. That's why he opens the book, and it's a fucking movie with 3d animations popping out of the book i thought that was his imagination to show us the wonders no. of reading no it's the future it was a, it's I, space I thought it was a page master type of thing you thought too much <laughs> or too little apparently uh, it somehow both <laughs> <laughs> whatever man you like the country bears I've never been less hurt by something said to me before in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm just lashing out. At least I understood I'm it. Lashing out because I'm feeling embarrassed, and I'm man enough to admit that I'm feeling embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed ten minutes of me laughing at my own idiocy. <laughs> great, great, compelling audio. Oh my god, dude. I don't know how to bring you back. Oh, man. Is there any way to bring me back? Well, the cops in the movie, those robots, those are officially credited as RoboCops. No way. What say you? Oh, wow. That. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I wish RoboCop was in this movie. Me too. That would have really taken it to the next level. But we could say that this is possibly same universe. Can, do it's we true. have any proof that it's not? I guess not. So we know that they're RoboCops, and we don't know that it's not in the same universe as RoboCop. What would Occam's Razor say about this situation? That Judge Dredd is also in this. Well, yeah, I saw him. Universe. Um, I saw him. That was another recommendation. Was Dredd? Yeah, I want to watch Dredd. Um. What, what do you think about this statement? That 2002-ass montage song sounds like Dan Harmon singing improv on Rick and Morty featuring Creed. <laughs> Holy featuring shit. Featuring Creed. 
No, that that completes it. That's oh wow. <laughs> I was so for a movie that I loved. Most of my notes are about how much I hate that song. Dude, that is that is such like perfect satirical <laughs> montage of like like Jenna Maroney and Thirty Rock just being like. <laughs> seeing it as it happens and then making up lyrics as the stuff happens in front of you <laughs> it's so bad it's so horrible i, I can't believe like, oh, they would do that okay, to this movie okay i could i could turn this down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't have a lot else to say honestly other than how much i liked it do you have any more do you want to do gimmicks I got a couple more things. Sam. Uh you're te- you're telling me that this cat and this dog had sex and made cat dog babies? Well, Greg, when it, did you forget about I this? I did. And it's it's a it's a donkey dragon scenario. Well, one fine day with a wolf and a purr, <laughs> a baby was born and it caused a little stir because those were more regressive times. But now we know that's no wolf bunny, no three-eyed frog. It's a feline, K-line, little cat dog, and they deserve the same rights that we do. Cat dog. Cat dog. Can you believe he was alone in the world as a little cat dog? Alone in the world before the great cat dog equality bill passed in 2078. Yeah, by by the mom reading the book to the kid at the beginning of the movie that was unrelated to the rest. Of yeah, the she definitely wasn't part of the movie. <laughs> definitely wasn't in the next two scenes. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't question the cat dog babies looking the exact same. I don't even remember the cat dog babies. I didn't watch the show. If it was at the end of the if it was at the end of the movie when they had babies. I was probably so fucking taken aback that they did another song just like that other fucking song for the credits. I was, like, beside myself. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I guess I'm done talking about the film itself. Denny, we've introduced a new gimmick. We've done it a couple times already. What is your favorite budgetary expense? Uh, My favorite budgetary expense for this box office bomb that was actually good is the animation department. Um, I think that that is what really set this movie apart as something unique. Um, I mean, the story just really worked. You know, the story worked, but man, that's a story that has worked for a long time. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I thought the visuals, the animation was kind of uh, one of a kind. I was very impressed by it. So my favorite budgetary expense was the animation department. What about you, Greg? Don't you dare say the the fucking Goo Goo Dolls guy. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I wanted to change it, but I kept it because my original note was Snow Patrol and I had to change it because I was like, wait a second, that's Goo Goo Dolls, not so <laughs> Okay, and you think I don't understand the movie. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my confusion of two very similar early 2000s alt-rock bands is equal to watching the first ten minutes of a movie and not realizing that the same characters are grown up in the next scene. Hey. 
Those are the same things. Retweet Greg if you think Snow Patrol and Goo Goo Dolls are similar, because I sure as hell don't. Who cares? I guarantee you nobody cares. Yeah, well, I do. And My favorite budgetary expense was the Goo Goo Dolls. You legitimately just, had that locked and loaded, ready to go before I said anything? Just, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's in my notes. I haven't edited this. Sometimes I think you just say shit to piss me off. Because I'm, tra- <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how this got to, well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I'm trying to figure out how this got to $140 million in 2002, right? Yeah, the Goo Goo Dolls were a hot act in 2002. It's just like, my favorite isn't like, this made me like the movie more. Oh, this, this, oh this, okay. My favorite is just like, wow, you guys really spent money on the Goo Goo Dolls. You thought this was just such a slam dunk hit. Like, the late edition, or like this edition of the Goo Goo Dolls is really going to help push it over the edge. This is going to complete the puzzle. Sorry. And it super didn't even matter. <laughs> we, we approach these with very different perspectives, and I would like to redact some previous claims. That makes sense. And yeah, it I, is. I think you'll find that I'm, I align with you more in the next two movies. But yeah, it's just like, really? Like, this is what you spent money on? Okay. <laughs> it's extravagant and not worth it. Yeah, well, because that's the thing is it's like, there was a time when I couldn't go anywhere without hearing Iris. Like, I, like, that song immediately, whenever I hear it, I think of being in the mall or being at Blockbuster. Because when I was, like, seven or eight years old, that song was everywhere. It had been a long time since I'd heard Iris in any public space by 2002. Like, the Goo Goo Dolls were not at their peak. They were, like, out of the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you just... You're out there chasing cars and keep hearing that song. Yeah. I know what you're doing. Uh, what's what's <laughs> your? I'm not going <laughs> to respond to it. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Danny, what's your favorite line of Treasure Planet? Yo, Tra- Treasure Treasure Planet. A pirate's life for me. I loved when uh, mm-hmm. the little uh, was that Patton Oswalt, the little robot guy. Oh no, that was Martin. Oh Short. shit, no! I fucking knew that. I got that one. Actually, I got confused. Um, yeah. That's Ratatouille, you doofus. <laughs> I, I liked when he said, Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. That was my favorite line. What about you? Uh, mine is the dog doctor sidekick guy saying, Woof. <laughs> that was good. That was real good. I really like that. By the way, uh, that guy is from Spoonerville. I guarantee it. No, it's the guy from, uh, fucking Frasier. What's his face from No, Frasier. the character, not the voice actor. Oh, the, the character. Okay, okay. He is from Sorry. Goofy's Neighborhood and Goof Troop. Look at him. <laughs> Goof Troop, RoboCop, <laughs> Frasier Planet, same universe. Infinite Biff Theory, uh, hashtag it. Yeah, that's a throwback. Infinite Goof Theory. <laughs> that dude is the same art as every dog that is in Goof Troop. No one's convincing it's... me otherwise. He is clearly at least descendant from people from Spoonerville. That rules, man. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Um, what's your What's your critic score, Greg? <sighs> My critic score. I'll try that again. My critic score is a twenty nine out of forty, which is a little over a seven out of Not ten. Not bad. Um, I gave it a better score. I gave it a forty three out of fifty, and. Uh, yeah. 43 is kind Not of bad. my spot of honor. It's like, uh, if you hit 45, I'm calling this one of the all-time greats. And so 43 is like, 
It's definitely not an all-timer, but it's a cut above the rest of the really good movies is kind of where I, where I put it. 44 is like Dude. you were almost an all-timer and you failed. 43 is like you were as good as you could be in this bracket. You know, like that. that's kind of yeah. where I'm at. So I gave it a 43. Dude, I'm looking at Critiker's... Uh, I'm looking at the website right now for this movie and you have it at a 43. CJ has it as a 1. What? He gave it a 1. Out of 40? Yeah. I'm going to text him right now and hopefully... Enemy of the show, CJ yeah, Ferguson. Yeah, fuck that shit. Gave this a 1. We don't one. allow different opinions. <laughs> fuck you, CJ. <laughs> Man. I'm just responding to him while you are out of control. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You really are the king of comedy. I miss that guy. Mm. You know what I'm the... Now there's a, there's a segue. You know what I'm the king of? What? Oh, fuck. I just Seamless the king of. edits. We're back, you everybody. You, you got me on that one, Greg. I, that's, that's my only goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want out of this podcast. We're back, everybody. Box office bombs that actually rule. We've discussed Treasure Planet. We're here to talk about Denny's pick. The King of Comedy. Denny, summarize this movie for us. Could you please? Yeah, um, I could. Or you could just watch Joker. No, no, no. I want to watch the good version, Denny. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, King of Comedy is a Scorsese De Niro compilation. Yep. Collaboration, not a competition. Sure. <laughs> I'm really showing my treasure planet uh, vulnerability right now. Um, <laughs> That's right. It's a Scorsese-De Niro collaboration. Basically, uh, De Niro plays this character named Rupert Pupkin, who no one remembers and always gets his name wrong. And he appears to be going crazy, pretending he is a famous comedian on talk shows in his mom's basement. Um, he obsessively stalks jerry langford who is played by jerry lewis um and is very heavily based on jerry lewis and uh basically is determined to achieve fame as a stand-up comedian at any cost and he really found out what any cost is as far as uh this movie is concerned and I think that's a good enough synopsis, yeah. Or that's kind of a log line, I guess. Yeah. Should I, should I should I get into the endings? Or no, 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 no. I think I think you covered it well enough. Uh, yeah, this was the first time I'd ever seen this movie. Um, I saw the newest Joker movie, and I kept hearing that that movie was kind of compared to, or based on, or derivative of this movie constantly, and I, yeah. it <laughs> kind of turned me off on it <laughs> didn't really wa- didn't really want to watch it because of that but i i thought the new joker movie was just fine some some high highs and some boring lows and i was like well this movie can't be that great and then i watched it the other day and it was great yeah yep um you know as someone who, like typically like when people are like uh the Cloverfield Paradox is just Event Horizon, but worse. Or they ripped off Event Horizon. I'm like, well, yeah, but, like, 
Shakespeare ripped off Homer. You know, like, (laughs) it's, you know, like, I'm like... Best in show ripped off. This is Spinal Tap. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like... Don't do it, like, two years later, but enough time had passed between Event Horizon and the Cloverfield Paradox that I'm like, do you really think all the people watching this on Netflix have seen or ever will see Event Horizon? You know, like, it's it's okay with me to uh, to borrow, uh, to a certain extent, steal, I guess. Um, so, yeah, of all the things I didn't really like about Joker, it... Honestly, I felt like just acknowledge it when you do something like that, and Joker definitely did by putting De Niro in the uh, in the Jerry Lewis role. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it wasn't subtle at all about it. It just happened that like no one has seen King of Comedy, and so for a lot of people that was really fresh. As a weird dude who loves King of Comedy and had seen it before Joker, um, I was more like ah, been there. I wasn't even mad that they ripped it off, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, nah, like, you're ripping off something from, like, 30 years ago that no one has seen and most people will never see. That's really fine. You know, like, that's okay to do. Yeah. Um, But I liked King of Comedy so much better than Joker. It's actually one of my favorite movies ever. I mentioned it on the Whiplash episode that there's there's been two two two-hour movies. Honestly, two movies ever. It's just more credence to how good they are that I watched in the credits rolled and immediately felt like I could just start again from the beginning. And it's this and whiplash. That's how much I like this movie. Damn. Yep. High praise. Crazy about King it. King of praise. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, De Niro or sorry, Scorsese thinks it's De Niro's best work. And this movie was so emotionally draining on them that they did not work together again for seven years. To do Casino? Probably. I think. I don't know. I don't remember the I order could, of that and the other ones. But yeah, yeah. Yep. That that was actually my first note, too, was that De Niro was killing it in this movie. He's so good in this movie. Oh. Showed his range. You know, like, I'm like, this is not that long after Taxi Driver. You know, which like, I didn't think was all that great. Taxi Driver. Oh, really? I I, I, like I thought Taxi it was Driver fine, but I I was just I I wasn't a big fan of that one. Eh, fair. I enjoyed this I, I movie a lot I don't love an ambiguous more. ending, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's probably my favorite De Niro performance, and he's had a lot of great ones. Like you talk about like powerhouse actors, and you got to have De Niro somewhere in the top 10 of just like powerhouse actors of the past 50 years you know (laughs) like um i think this is easily my favorite performance of his and he did something really outside his wheelhouse of being uh a creepy little bastard who uh mask his lack of confidence with overcompensation of extreme confidence Mm -hmm. also delusions let's say delusions of grandeur baby (laughs) yep um, definitely has some sort of uh, personality disorder or some sort of psychosis going on. Um, in a lot of ways, he's kind of a prototype for a Michael Scott type character. Um, I think uh, you can trace some roots back there. Um, I'm crazy about it, man. Um, I did want to talk about what this movie was up against and possibly why it bombed. Yeah. Um, so, 19- 1982 
this movie comes yeah. out. Uh, what is this up against in the box office? So, not opening weekend, but still outperforming this movie. E.T. You ever heard of it? Uh, I, th- I think so. Is that that Stoomy Spall's Blurg movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, Ramblin' Entertainment. Yeah. It was one of, yeah, their, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of their, one of their yeah, little-known feature, E.T., the extra An indie hit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gandhi. Oh, boy. Sophie's Choice. Oh, boy. <laughs> And Tootsie. Ooh. Lot O competition, and I believe... Uh, I'm going from memory here. I didn't write it down. I want to say this was like a February release. I don't know if I don't know if it worked exactly the same way in 1982, because it was a different world. I should have looked into this before commenting on it at all, but it didn't occur to me until now. Yeah. But I, at least now, February's kind of the dead season. You know? Like, that's... There's not a lot of great shit coming out in February. Yeah, sure. But also, apparently, in 1982, there was. <laughs> so, what, what, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> we weren't alive then. Yep. Oh, uh, man. Mm. That's good, Nautilus. Yeah, that's, that's a good, clanky, loosely hanging straw from your dumb, wide, long drink boat. I'm really hurt that you called it dumb. It's not dumb to you. It's like seriously impractical. It's it's not dumb. It is impractical though. Oh, it's extremely. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's dumb. Seriously, I think you're supposed to take it home and put it on a shelf and forget about it. But I, uh, I paid for a souvenir mug. Damn it! Getting miles out of this baby. Mr. Taylor, you're still drinking from the cup. You still (laughs) consume drinks from the Nautilus, sir. It belongs on your shelf. On your shelf. Yeah. Fucking shit. It belongs next to your Funko Pops. Uh, boy does boy it. Boy does it. I rearranged my Funko Pops last weekend. Uh, I can't wait to show you. I, I, dust, I dusted mine. Ooh, Dude. Dusting is dusting is the bane of a collector's existence. Nobody cared who I was till I put on the Funko Pop. Alright, so... <laughs> really trailed off there joker bane we've got some connections here (laughs) it's all coming back it all makes sense there's logical steps i promise one of my notes is just joker discussion and i'm glad it came up organically because i didn't make any other notes yeah like yeah we've we've got to discuss joker yeah we kind of did it's just like i don't think i'm ever gonna see that movie again I the the only part I want to watch again was the um what the 6 or 7 minute scene where he's on the the late night show hosted mm-hmm. by De Niro. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an incredible scene. It was, but it didn't make the rest of the movie worth it. Yeah. I I oh, think I, could... I if I'm going to compare these two, I think that scene was better than anything I got out of King of Comedy but that was only like six or seven minutes <laughs> and like king of comedy was like just about at that level of like quality and like engagement spread out over the entirety of the film yeah definitely I, i've got a i'm trying to put a lid on myself because i have a lot of things to say about joker and i'm just gonna i'm gonna let His him go back's all I, weird. i'll say i like that they had a discussion about class 
I really like Joaquin Phoenix's performance, mm-hmm. and I really like the the finale, like, mm-hmm. like you're talking about. Yeah. That scene is great. Um, we'll probably have to do it one day, um, so let's let's save it. Yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll bottle man. that. So, Greg, I'm, I'm gushing here, but I, I want to give you the reins. As someone who just kind of oh. went in cold and heard that this is, you know, this is the movie that Joker kind of was inspired by or paid I, I would say paid homage to that's that's what yeah. we should have said instead of ripped off paid homage to i i kind of want to put joker comparisons aside now though like i don't no yeah as a guy who went into it with just that I, tell me tell me your thoughts on this movie i felt it stood on its own as its own thing i felt like the quality of it didn't like with the new Joker movie, you kind of had to compare it to stuff like this to like really get stuff out of it. But this movie, yeah. you don't need to be like, oh, this is the stuff that it kind of inspired Joker. Even though you see those things as you're watching it, as someone that has only, like, this is my first time seeing it, like, I'm making those comparisons, but I'm not like hung up on the Joker aspect of it. I'm just like, Oh, I see where they got it from, but I'm more engaged with this. I feel like this is telling yeah. a cooler story. This is establishing a more interesting character and like dyna- dynamic between characters. So most definitely, it, it's it's a better story. Um, yeah, I see where all the inspiration came from, but I was more engaged with this. Most definitely, this um, is great. God. I prefer this. <laughs> Talk of. Good meme. Yeah. Good meme. That's that's for you, Gen Z. Do we have any Gen Z listeners? If you do, please uh, Snapchat nothing. <laughs> Put stuff <laughs> out into the that. ether of Snapchat. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure someone will watch it. It's not yeah. us. I don't have it. Man, I just I can't get past these performances and the dynamics they created. Um, specifically, something we've referenced before is like the mark of a truly immersive performance is if I remember the character and not the actor. Mm -hmm. Um, Do do I know the character's name? To me in this, De Niro is Rupert Pupkin. Yeah. Um, That little mustache, man. Sends it over the edge. Boy, does it. And uh, someone who I actually don't remember her character's name, but I remember the actor's name, but I should remember. Marsha? Marsha? Something like that. Marsha, there we go. Um, Sandra Bernhard, man. She is so good in this movie she it you didn't think so greg i I thought she she was good but that character annoyed the daylights out of me well yeah you weren't i think it was it's supposed to to, it succeeded too well like i just like i i don't want to watch her anymore (laughs) in uh in wrestling that's what we call go away heat heat is when uh the audience boos the bad guy but they're supposed to boo them because they want to see a good guy kick their ass, not because they want to change the channel. You know, yeah. like you're you're not supposed to be bored. Um, so her, all that goes to her, say, I loved her performance. Her, but she had go away heat with you. Yeah, definitely. Like her her acting across from De Niro and across from Jerry Lewis was very good. But good lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't have a. Like, her and De Niro's Pupkin were both absolute psychopaths. Yeah. Like, they are... The court is cut. I, I, like, them, I like them together. <laughs> yeah. 
they're they're completely untethered and from reality and they have a really adorable dynamic when they're when they're together when they're interacting but i think that like even though i think you could even argue that rupert pupkin is a more fucked up character than marcia um he has this sympathetic element where we i don't know about you but i think this is relatable enough because i've seen memes about it and they like have a line about it in the truman show of like we've all had some imaginary conversation where we vent about our lives on a talk show while we're taking a shit Mm -hmm. you know like we like we all have like indulged in some like masturbatory fantasy of an alternate reality where we're a celebrity and everyone gives a shit about the little details of our lives and i used to feel great shame about that until like some movies kind of like normalized it for me and i think de niro has that uh, to, to reference two weeks ago dialed up to 11 or to reference four weeks ago dialed up to 12 mm-hmm. that was for That's, you thank you so much oh my god thank Country you bears loving bastard. thank you so much <laughs> um but he has this like he has this sympathy in his delusion of i think that's like a part of all of us that will always kind of envy being wanted in the way that like brad pitt is wanted um that people want to know about your life and the masses are just like clamoring um i don't know greg you're more introverted than i am but maybe you don't relate to that but for me it put a lot of sympathy on de niro's rupert just because he is like he wants to be wanted we know more about his backstory for most of the movie um and it kind of unfolds very organically Mm -hmm. i love the way they did it that like he was constantly bullied and rejected and mocked. Um, and, uh, yeah, we there's there's a sympathetic element to this anti-hero, I guess, protagonist who's doing fucked up things that we would never do. Marcia, not so much. Like, we do find out her parents have never said, I love you or anything like that. And, you know, but at that point, she already has an innocent man tied up and is trying to rape him. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it really doesn't go as far as, you know, or in terms of sympathy. Um, her name is Masha. I was about to say, like, I wanted I wanted to correct oh, okay. you really quick. It's not Marsha, it is Masha. And I thought they were just saying it with, like, a Northeast accent. Yeah, I don't know what those freaks up there are doing. Yeah, if I was named Masha, I would be fucked up, too. Sorry to all our Masha listeners. I'm sure. Th- <laughs> Hope to see you in the Masha pit. In Italy. Hey, I'm I'm a Mashin <laughs> over here. That joke really gobbles my that ghoul. Was, um, yeah, I was gonna say that was Christopher walking from Mars. <laughs> Those of you who don't know Greg's type five. <laughs> I'm a Mashin over here. I'm a Mashin over here. Come on. Yeah, she- Matt Damon played me in the movie. Yeah. Um, she uh, she didn't have the same sympathy that uh, that Pupkin had. No, it's something I made a note about, like the nineteen eighty two celebrity obsession. Like, if this movie was made, well, we already talked about it over. Like, if this movie was set in modern times, like the celebrity obsession, like you're talking about me being more introverted. Like, there are so many more levels of celebrity that are just like i can go on youtube and find 10 15 people that have very very similar personalities to me 
And if I wanted to take this delusional path and be like, I identify strictly with this person, I think I'm like this person, I think I could be this person, I'm going to obsessively try to get in front of them, try to put myself out there and see myself as this person or on their same level. And it's yeah. just like, what kind of, you know, if the, the Gen Z king of comedy, king of influencers or whatever, dumb, Logan Paul. dumb bullshit, yeah, <laughs> would come out today. It's just like, man, and I, I've had that before where it's just like, it's super easy to identify. There's such a wide range of what qualifies as a, as a celebrity. It doesn't have to be like A-list people that you and I and everybody else know it could be just like somebody that makes videos that you like on youtube or whatever it could be anything like someone that sure. it's like a perceived fame that you can still identify with them yeah do i still see myself as that kind of person i feel like this robert de niro's character could translate into a lot of people's same kind of mindset in modern times yeah well, I mean, and like celebrities aren't as intangible as they once were. Yeah, you know, like they're we like I watch YouTubers all the time, and this is the millennial in me, and clearly this appeals to to Gen Z, and I don't knock it, but like I'll follow a YouTube channel about something I like, and then they'll start like telling me about their life, and I'll be like, Jesus, I don't give a shit about your life, like. I don't want to know about your kid. I don't want to know who you're dating. I don't want to know what you're going through. Give me the content I came for. Yeah. Like, I want to hear you talk about the niche subject that's in my algorithm. <laughs> um, I don't give a shit about your life. I don't know you. I don't... I, I Honestly, I'd love to know them. But I, I have a healthy relationship that I'm like, this is a one-sided transaction. I like your work, and you don't know that I exist. Yeah. You know, like, and that is... I mean, like, but you talk to any any kid, and they don't typically they're not like at least in my experience i'm painting with broad strokes they're not like i want to be a football player or i want to be a rock star or a movie star they're like i want to be a youtuber i want to be a minecraft youtuber yeah and i want to be a professional honestly, streamer yeah yeah which is honestly a much more attainable path than our dreams you know like mm -hmm. it's like it's still a still a pipe dream still a long shot but like dude you can you used to have to like move to LA and wait tables for that shit. You know, like now yeah. you can like, look at us. We fucking Dude, made a podcast I've... off a dumb idea we had one time. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> like, times. It's easy. Like you can, well, I don't do any of the work. I shouldn't say it's, it's, easy. it's so much easier. Well, you do a lot of the work, social media talent, Taylor. Hey, like that. Just like being able to put yourself out there now is so much more attainable and so much more possible. Like, I was saying, like, there was, like, a gaming channel that I followed, like, ten years ago. And I ran into two of those guys in Denton. And I was just like, oh, oh my god, yeah, like, I, I watch all you guys' videos. I think you guys are great. And they're just like, oh, yeah. thanks. They were, like, they were, like, visibly, like, a little awkward. Like, and I was just like, oh, man, these are just, these are just two guys that make videos yeah. on the internet. Like, it wasn't, like, a huge channel or anything, but at the to me, I thought they were a big deal because I watched all their stuff. And, like, I've yeah. met professional athletes and that kind of thing. Like, everybody's just people. 
and they're they're just putting out what they can and i don't know is that what we're doing too i guess it's exactly what we're doing and that's why i'm always really gracious when people like even if i'm eating with my daughter when people say i love movies for when i saw your one youtube video i'm one of your 18 twitter followers and i just gotta say i want your autograph and need a selfie um and why did you make up a daughter for this bit that you don't have (laughs) that's right i'm always gracious to our fans because i know we're just people i know we're just no but i mean like to that credit i saw some disney parks youtubers when i was in disney world not this time but another time i was Mm -hmm. there and vanessa and i were freaking out we were like holy shit that's them but they didn't have like security around them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like in, in the way that like there's not a I crowd of think... people for autographs they're not like put elbowing people to get to their limousine they're just yeah hanging out at the park i didn't even think until you brought it up about how maybe this doesn't translate to people who weren't i mean like we weren't there in 1982 but i don't really feel like the 90s were i think really that different you know? i think there is still like a level of celebrity now like if um Who's famous now? Is that is that Justin Bieber still? Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. I was gonna say like Olivia Rodrigo was in Six Flags. People would be obsessing. Like she, trust me, she's a celebrity, Denny. I've never heard her name. Uh, my, I only watch wrestling and old movies. My gr- so. <laughs> Imagine Chris Jericho, but an oh, eight, an eighteen year old my- girl. <laughs> with <laughs> instead of Fozzie, it's a it's her own album. <laughs> Imagine if he was real famous and not wrestling famous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My, my girlfriend's uh, a few years younger than me, so I just rely on her for yeah. whatever the hell's going on in the world. But <laughs> yeah, that, that, that level of celebrity. and has yeah. similar interests, so ooh, it's kind of a feedback mm. loop. She does show me TikToks I like. I was about to say, like, if you both saw Nicolas Cage somewhere, I'm sure you would collectively just have a heart attack and die on the spot. Really? You think I'd have a heart attack instead of an orgasm? Well, at the same time, yeah. Well, yeah, and it would be the best moment of my life, and then he would touch me and bring me back to life and give me a clean pair of pants. You want a you want a selfie or totally, something? <laughs> totally salvage my day at Six Flags. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you want to ride Batman or the Titan next, Denny? I know you've worshipped me from afar for years. <laughs> How do you know we're, my we're name, Nick? About- we're talking about one of my favorite movies ever ever made, and we got so far from talking about the movie. Oh, it's it's the themes presented, and of course, it leads to Nicolas Cage at Six Flags. Obviously, where well, else could it go besides there? The corporeal deity that currently embodies the vessel of the actor known as Nicolas Cage, as I prefer to call him. First of his name, uh, man. Back on track. Shoot, 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 shoot. Let's rewind. Let's get back on King of Comedy. Uh, I think oh. this movie uses silence very well, which is another one of Scorsese's yes. under, other underrated films. Yes. Wait, I haven't seen Silence. I thought you were going to say an underrated strength. I haven't <laughs> seen Silence or heard of it until now, it, it, so it's very underrated. It's, it came out a few years ago. It has Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield in it. Well, I like both of those guys, and I like Martin Scorsese, and that's not The Irishman, so I'll check it out. Dude, the, uh, oh god, 
too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, like, the ability to, like, remain quiet in the score and with the dialogue is really great. Like, that's yeah. such a powerful tool is just using only the audio in a scene and, like, letting the visuals and the performances carry it. Yes. It doesn't need... But, like, speaking of the music in this movie... I'm surprised the employees of Jerry's show aren't going insane with the music that's played yeah. all day in their offices. <laughs> but it really did establish a stark contrast of like he's in he's on like the threshold of the world he wants to be. Yeah. In. And there's like one last gatekeeper, but this is very different. And then it turns out there's like three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, we, we've seen him huddled around a payphone and guarding it like it's his children. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. that's, it's a very different take. And, um, you know, one of my notes is the more grandiose this gets, the more I want to die. <laughs> because they have done such a good job of establishing a character who passes as normal but have shown us a look into his mind that we always know he is a crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Um, the clinical term is problematic daydreaming, and I'm told it's on the table for a DSM-6 diagnosis. Personal take for those who are interested. I think it's a symptom. Not a, uh, not a disorder in and of itself. I think we... I mean, like, I've engaged in a lot of problematic daydreaming in my life, you know, like, to further normalize it. Man, I just, I hated my reality and wanted to be a pro wrestler. Mm -hmm. And I would just sit around and, like, create these, like, catacombs of fantasy worlds of me as a pro wrestler. Um, and I grew up and learned that's a symptom of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. But maybe that's why I relate to the movie so much is, dude, this is a dude who is, like acting out fake talk shows with canned laughter in his mom's basement which didn't they say she was dead at the end uh if they did i missed that i'm not sure i think they threw in maybe in his stand-up so maybe it's not oh yeah, yeah i think yeah that was one of his jokes that's yeah yeah, yeah. that could so I that guess, might not be true but we never see her so yeah. yeah like we don't we end this truly not knowing how crazy this guy is mm -hmm. um he is clearly operating under a delusion um i don't know i guess i just i guess i just related to it honestly yeah like as, as that was my escape when i was growing up and honestly into my adult life although i'll admit i'm embarrassed to admit it um that was my escape from a from a reality that i did not enjoy yeah that's i think that's part of the character's delusions of grandeur and i don't i'm not saying that's what you necessarily dealt with but it's like I had fantasies of grandeur. I knew I sucked. Yeah. Delusions <laughs> and fantasies are two different things. And, yeah. you know, I've talked to people that are more leaning towards the delusional side. Like, everybody's got fantasies of the thing they're doing propelling them to some sort of success. Sure. Um, some people can inject the reality of the situation and say, like, even if I bust my ass and work really hard at this i might not be successful at it but i yep. still do have the fantasies during the day that i meet my favorite person that does the same thing i do i 
become their peer even like i elevate myself to that level like here's the conversations that take place here's the events that transpire that sort of stuff will fill your head but i think where this character is and then unfortunately where some people are is just like they expect that and they feel entitled to that sort of path and yes. you see it a lot with uh de niro's character here where he's uh where rupert just thinks like i think the worst thing that happened to him was having a real conversation with jerry langfield jerry lewis and he's just like okay just he's clearly giving him so many signals like just call my office please go away he's like oh Jerry wants to hear me directly. He wants to see me. I'm his friend. I'm his peer. He may have already thought that in his head with his, like, fake, um, with his fake show, with his, like, basement program with the canned laughter and everything. He probably already yeah. thought those things, but now he's got some sort of validation that brings those fantasies into his own reality. And, and unfortunately... Our reality and the characters' realities. Yeah, no, and you see it in the beginning where he's like already trying to pull rank on other people who are like him, oh! and they're like showing I love off their that. autographs, and he's like, "It's not my whole life." And then after he meets Jerry, uh, I was gonna say Lewis, but Langford, um, he uh, his fantasies immediately escalate to he's already successful and he's best friends with Jerry Langford, and he is just being begged to take over the show mm -hmm. and he's like i've got other projects you know i can't handle this like it just like clearly like gave him a dopamine rush that he couldn't handle when he got in that car with jerry link yeah like it just like escalated really really fast yeah too. that was the worst thing I'm... for everybody yeah oh absolutely um which by the way while we're talking about jerry lewis a cool little trivia note that I liked is he actually insisted that his character should be named Jerry because do you remember the scenes where he's like walking down the street and people are yelling at him? Yeah. So that happened to him a lot. And he was like, nice. Y you had this too. You had I this got too? something similar, but go ahead. Oh yeah. It happened to him a lot in real life. And so he was like, Hey, make the character named Jerry and have me walking down the street. And then you can use the audio because I guarantee people are going to start shouting Jerry at me. Yeah. Um, which was a really smart move. And, like, obviously, like, there were scripted moments in that in that sequence. But, it's, but it still all felt organic. Well, yeah, and there was, there was, there's audio in it of people yelling, hey, Jerry, at him. Yeah. Like, just randos on the street. Like, brilliant, brilliant move. Why, why hire an extra when you could get something real and kind of, like, also, like, thematically enhance this with that trivia note? That it's like, hey... At this time, if you were like a celebrity walking around in a city, you could not be left alone. Yeah. What was your note? You had something like uh, that? Just like the, the scenes shot outside. Um, I was specifically, I specifically made a note about um, Masha and um, uh, Rupert's character. They were walking in the street. I think this is just kind of an unfortunate thing of the time the way it's edited it makes it feel like there's a camera there's robert de niro 
and I guess Scorsese is probably out there, you see people start to watch like every once in a while. And it feels like as the scene is going on, there's like 10 second segments where more and more people start to realize that's De Niro, that's Scorsese. And like more and people start watching and then they'll cut like to a different camera angle or something. And then like it's reset and people are like trying to cross the street, looking at the crosswalk, that sort of thing. And it feels like it's edited in such a way that it was filmed over, like, they probably had to do it over a couple days. They would, like, wanted to be out in a real street with people, but, like, sure. people kept noticing a film was getting made, so they had to edit it down. And I, that that fits the Jerry stuff very well, I think. I actually didn't even notice that, and that's freaking cool. <laughs> like, that's awesome. That, that scene felt a little less fluid, but for a very what felt like a very good reason yeah i mean like you want to look at the like meta subtext and it's there yeah you know, like it it enhances what the movie is addressing and what it's talking about um so very well so very well um i loved that after like immediately after the vacation home thing mm-hmm they just jumped right into the kidnapping. The kidnapping is one of my favorite scenes, too. It's so terribly oh, done. So fucking tight. <laughs> Those drops the gun when he's reading the cue cards and all of it. It's so that one's upside down. <laughs> Kidnap him in broad daylight. They drop the gun. He has to pick it back up. Oh, it's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that whole third act so damn much. I uh, I was gonna I was gonna use Sandra Bernhard's "I love you" monologue as my favorite line, but I was like, I can't transcribe all this, so I'm just yeah. gonna give it credit. Like, God, she was so fucking delusional Dude. and stupid and good as an actress in those scenes yeah. like oh my god her, she was on the money her alone with jerry was like just a plus performance yeah. with that yeah yep. and then we find out that this was all to impress the most beautiful girl in high school that's what it was all about that's what it's all about oh oh you know what I thought was the smartest aspect of this movie? Hmm. His uh, his stand-up being okay. Yeah, I actually, that was one of my notes. Like, the stand-up actually wasn't all that bad. Yeah, no, it's nothing to write home about, but it's also not, like, embarrassing. That's the best possible payoff they could have done for this character of, like, the dude is sat in a basement and obsessively worked on this. It's not going to be, like, embarrassingly bad. But yeah. he's also not incredibly talented or anything like or, that. And he's never even tried this in person before. Yeah, or is self-aware, or... <laughs> there's, a lot of, no. there's a lot of reasons it could go poorly, but it didn't go terribly. No, that's a, they, they have you with bated breath. Because they, they, never, never... they never show you a single joke. No, he, never. He's about to, never. like, say them in the... They'll cut to the next scene or something. Yeah. No, and that's the best, is that, like, you are waiting for it, and it's finally there, and you're going to hear a stand-up, and you're expecting him to just say, like, I want to rape and murder everyone I went to high school with, or I don't know, like, something like that, 
just something so horrible or something so embarrassing and he just like goes out there and does an okay stand-up yeah and it's great <laughs> like it's so good like oh it just it just fits so perfectly because it's kind of a twist in the sense that it's like it's not what you were expecting but like something good that you weren't expecting is something you should have predicted but didn't yeah right like and that's absolutely what that scene is and that's like that's what his goal was too like no matter yep. how you want to punish him after everything that happens in the movie he still put his best out there on national television and fulfilled all of his wildest dreams like mm -hmm. just can't take it away from him so he kind of wins in the end yeah well, speaking of the end, do you think that those final scenes of him getting out of jail and being a, a famous scandal celebrity, um, do you think those really happened or are those in his imagination? I, I think those happened in his imagination. I think that's a continuation of the delusion. Just because of the audio in, like, as we're coming up to the credits, you know, it's just kind of like looping the introduction and the like non-stop applause that kind of thing like i think that's a hint that that was continued throughout the entire scene that was carried through what do, what do you think i i i think your your take has validity to it and i don't really know um there is a line that they say earlier in the movie that makes me think it really happened which is uh rupert says a man can have anything he wants if he's willing to pay the price. Mm -hmm. And so they show us the whole time he was very willing to pay the price for this, which was two and a half years in prison, yada, 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 all that stuff. Um, and so, I don't know. I think it could go both ways. I think yours works a lot because, like, just because Rupert thinks you can have anything you want if you're willing to pay the price doesn't mean you can um, because lots of people are willing to pay the price for this type of thing and only a handful of people at a time get it of the like hundreds of thousands of millions who want it um, but my my personal interpretation is I think it really happened okay to Honestly, totally viable just because I, I kind of do yeah <laughs> you know, like I, I don't really have that deep of a thought other than they kind of established that thematically I honestly think both interpretations work with the tone of the movie of it being a dark comedy. I think dark comedy works both ways of he got to have this, but it was only in his head versus, uh, you know, we uh, versus he got to have it, but he had to like do something horrible for it. I think both of those work as like a, you know, a fate type of thing, but I don't know. I will say when they actually showed us his like fantasy, like they showed us him fantasizing a lot and it was very uncomfortable to watch, but there was only a few times where they showed us his actual fantasy as it plays out in his head. And those scenes were very bonkers. Like, um, Jerry Langford strangles him like Homer strangles Bart. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, perfect to form. Um, like literally like should have had robert de niro go like bart does um, <laughs> so i don't know for me it was a little more grounded in reality his actual playing out of his fantasy um than like or sorry the ending was more grounded in reality than when we like enter his fantasies yeah personal take that makes but sense honestly I, I think both work so it's whatever it is whatever 
Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Denny. What's up, Greg? What's your favorite budgetary expense of the movie? The set of Jerry Langford's office. That place was cool as shit, and I don't know when the world voted that buildings should be boring, but a lot of places looked like that in the 90s when I was growing up, and I like it. So my favorite expense is the set of his office. What about you? Uh, mine was actually just Jerry Lewis himself. He was worth every penny. Mm. He did so good. He did great in this movie. So damn good. Um, playing like the one sane person that we got to spend some time with. <laughs> and, the, and the bartender girl that was most beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite line? Uh, ooh, I had a tough time picking. I think... There's lots of good ones. <sighs> My runner-up is uh, Rupert saying, I made a mistake. And Jerry saying, yeah, so did Hitler. Because, you know... So good. Attempting to conquer Europe and genocide was, you know, it was just one big old whoopsie daisy. That that was a good line. But uh, I think my favorite is he. Uh, Rupert says it a couple times. Uh, he'll give his name and he'll say people often misspell it and uh, mispronounce it. And <laughs> immediately the receptionist goes, "There's a man here by the name of Rupert Pumpkin." Yes. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so good i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with a big one because i just i wrote down a lot of lines and i just love this one so much better be better to be king for a night than schmuck for a lifetime mm -hmm. <laughs> i think it summed up his entire motives for doing what he did of i have just been such a fucking loser my whole life and i know that i'm about to go to jail and i got to be king for a night and this was the only way it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And there was something so disgustingly happy about that moment for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uncomfortably happy. Maybe not disgustingly, but uncomfortably happy that it's like, man, you know, you could have just like gotten over this shit and done your interpersonal introspective work and had a life you were really happy with of people who love you because high school's not forever, man. But uh, <laughs> you didn't. And you just really doubled down on this like ridiculous fantasy you had. And you know what? For one night, you got it. Good on you. Yeah. Try not to kidnap someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your critic score, Denny? Greg, I think you're going to say I overrated this movie, and I'm okay with I'm this. I'm looking at what you rated it already. Oh, yeah. I've been doing this a lot lately on our podcast, uh, and I want you to know it's fine. just because we've been watching good movies, and I actually don't throw this out lately. No problem. This is a 50 out of 50 for me, man. Boom! I think it is. It just, I just, it's so just awesome in every way, and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like... If this were, like, as good as I think it is right now, I would have heard more about it. And then, like, by the end of the movie, I'm just like, nope, it's as good as I think it is, and no one is talking about it. I'm giving it a 50 out of 50. This is one of my very rare, not a, like, heavy hitter, people really agree that this is one of the best movies of all time that I've given a 50, and I am sticking by it. That's good. I even reevaluate. It was at... 
it was at 50 from the first time I watched it a couple of years ago. And I was like, yeah, I, I suffer from recency bias. I hadn't really ranked a lot of movies when I did this. This was on, this was on me and Vanessa's movie list the first year we did it. Um, and so I was like, it's probably not as good as I remember. And I was fully ready to lower it down and I rewatched it and I did not. It is a 50 for me. Very good. And great, what about great you? justification. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I gave this one one of the higher scores in the show. I gave it a 35 out of 40. Nice. Which is almost a 9 out of 10. But, man. Nice. Just like you were saying, like, it has no business being this good with how little it's talked about. and I No notoriety. <laughs> if the Joker never came out, people would still not... People, This wouldn't be on anybody's radar. Nope. And... People should watch it. Fuck the Joker. This movie rules. <laughs> yeah, fuck the Joker. Um, oh. Eat your heart out, uh, Arthur Fleck. Let me just, know when you act with cardboard cutouts to fake laughter. It's just Joker. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I watched it like years ago because I randomly heard someone reference it on a podcast. And I was like, oh, okay. I just I keep a running list of movies I want to watch. And I was like, I'll throw that one on there. We can be that and podcast for others. We could be that podcast. Watch it, I just, audience. I happened to randomly watch it before Joker, and it's not because I like know so much about cinema. It's because I was like, oh, I don't know. Sounded kind of interesting, and it just blew me away. Yeah. It just fucking blew me if away. If you like Scorsese and you like uh, good movies like this, then you're going to have a good time. Fuck Yeah! You can't see me thing is like a dumb thing that John Cena's older brother did and that's why he started doing it on TV like his brother would his brother would be like oh oh you can't see me you can't see me <laughs> that's that's the ultimate payback that's yeah. now that's it's pretty my clever. thing you, oh man you know what my thing is liking country seamless bears. edits Welcome back, everybody. I hate you. We're not friends anymore. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were no, going to do it. No, you didn't. He's lying. I knew it. I've been, we're here to talk about... I've been we're here to talk it. about Clue. We're here, we're here to talk about... Fine, you win. We're going to talk we're about here to ta fucking Clue now. Don't sound so upset. You like the movie. Why am I always so mad on the air? Because this is, without a doubt, my favorite part of my week that I look forward to. <laughs> I don't know why I'm always so angry. It's part of the fun. It's part being of the mad fun. is being mad is fun sometimes. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell Vanessa sometimes. I'll be like, "Sorry, I'm being angry for fun right now. This isn't this isn't like a real. Let's do something about this anger. I'm just being angry oh yeah for fun." Dude, I uh, I was shouting. At least <laughs> in a fun, playful way that she had done everything wrong with regards to squeezing the toothpaste tube from the middle and, like, leaving stuff in the shower. Like, are you trying to kill me, Leanne? You have no shower discipline. Greg. The floor is all slippery. It's just, it's probably best for our friendship that we have never lived together. Because I don't think you could handle sharing a shower with my bottle hoarding ass and my middle toothpaste squeezing ass. That's probably for the best. <laughs> Separate bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Ah, in the bathroom with the toothpaste stick. 
Name that clue. <laughs> Name that clue. Iconic part of the board game and the movie. Oh, wait, that's Blue's Clues. Dude, what other board games inspired films? Man. Uh, Maybe the Game of Life inspired the Tree of Life, but I'm not sure. Uh, no one's sure. That's the point. <laughs> it was also loosely based on Jurassic Park in some parts. And- um, That's right. <laughs> fuck tree of life. Uh, no, idea. but on that note, I I wanted to compare Clue to the Lego Movie, in the sense that it's mm. proof that a cash grab branding exercise does not have to be soulless. Well, it has to be soulless in theory, but in practice, it, it can. Be it starts good. out soulless. Yeah. Don't you ever excuse these lazy fucks who are making stupid shit with an IP attached to it fuck them make a good fucking movie they did it for a board game with fucking three recognizable elements (laughs) (laughs) legos had more to work with fucking clue there's not a clue expanded universe motherfuckers they fucking made this movie and it fucking rocks um i don't want to fucking hear it and they did fan service yeah they worked in all this stupid shit from this board game and it worked and it was well done each they still they still had time to do callbacks to the board game (laughs) when they brought in the secret passages i was like i wasn't even thinking about the board game anymore you know like yeah okay we should we should do a synopsis before we get into this Um, yeah uh this was the audience pick thank you everybody for again making suggestions and voting in our poll uh denny summarize clue for us the 1985 board game movie crossover classic. You know, Clue is the uh, king of comedy to Knives Out Joker. Um, it is... Uh, what? <laughs> it is the king of comedy to Knives Out's Joker. Um, what he said. Yeah. No, Clue is a... Is a it's, it's a genre homage, kind of a spoof, but really a love letter to Murder Mysteries, Whodunit... Um, all that kind of stuff basically a bunch of people who kind of sort of know each other but aren't being open are mysteriously summoned to a mansion Um, we find out that they are all being blackmailed and just when it's all about to hit the fan the blackmailer dies Um, and we spend the rest of the movie trying to figure out what the fuck is going on (laughs) and it's a lot better (laughs) than it sounds from how I pitched it right there um yeah, this was I want so this this movie kind of has an asterisk to this episode. Um, you know, the episode is box office bombs that are actually good. Clue was pretty close to breaking even. It lost yeah. money. I wouldn't call it just a bomb. It really it was, lost like a half a million. It wasn't too terrible. Yeah, yeah, and like don't get me wrong, not a financial success technically fits the theme of the episode but we were we were kind of looking for movies that more lost a ton of money and that were good versus stuff that like maybe wrong place wrong time but lost a little bit of money all this goes to say um by the time we realized this there was already too much momentum in the direction of clue we yeah, already the, posted the poll and it was running away with it so we the just, straw poll was up and it was ahead yeah. considerably 
Um, there was no stopping Clue's momentum. I thought that Waterworld was gonna was gonna make a comeback, but it didn't. Um, yeah, which is all good because honestly, I watched this movie this morning, and I was probably more in the mood to watch Clue than any of the other movies that we had listed. So good, good on the audience. Um, I did yeah, want to say, was... sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was real quick hoping to low-key do Waterworld as a uh, potential teaser for eventually one day doing the postman, but I guess this will have to suffice. And I want to do the postman. Can I can I tease something we have not discussed? Sure. Surprise me. Maybe we'll just have to do a Kevin Costner episode one day. Maybe we'll just have to do a Kevin Costner episode. That's right. The bodyguard. The postman. The other movie. I was gonna bring in Dennis Quaid films in my brain. <laughs> Somebody stop me. Uh, 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 Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves this is just two and a half hour movies God. only, baby. Yeah. God, he loves long movies. Can, oh, can we make a God. pact right now, Greg? That uh, mm-hmm. if by Fourth of July next year we haven't found a reason to do the Postman yet, we'll do the Postman for Fourth of July next year. Nothing more patriotic than the Postal Service. And and the Goo Goo Dolls. We be such great heights. I think we're yeah. I think we're on the same page, Denny. We are, brother. Um, this is what Clue was up against in the box office. Um, Go ahead. First of all, it uh, enough postal service talk. It was a late December release, so it was up against... Oscar bait. Uh, some, well... <laughs> sorry, that got me off guard. This was not Oscar bait. Um, <laughs> if Clue won an Oscar, I would be so happy. That would make me so happy. Um, so... And then that could be one of the murder weapons. <laughs> with the Oscar! Statue. These with the Oscar. really are heavy, clunk. <laughs> heavy enough to kill! <laughs> no, it was a late December release, so it was up against a bunch of Christmas shit that nobody remembers two weeks before Christmas. Uh, <sighs> so there's that. Gross. It was also up against Rocky IV, Jewel of the Nile, and Back to the Future. Oh, okay. Not 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 the same release date as Back to the Future, but Back to the but Future it was, still was still in theaters. Wrecking shit. Which, by the way, I'm sure Christopher Lloyd got a nice payday from having both of these movies running at the same time. You're telling me he killed him with a candlestick? <laughs> I forgot about your Marty. In the ballroom? <laughs> I forgot about your McFly. It's so good. I love it so much. Doc! <laughs> oh, Greg, what's your history? What's this baby? <laughs> I'm done. What's your history with Clue? He's in this movie, too. Come on. Uh, I played the game a little bit as a kid, but not since I was like maybe 8 or 10. I don't know. I had never seen this movie. My girlfriend loves this movie. It was one of the movies we were just like, yeah, we'll watch it together, but neither of us were ever in the mood to really watch it. And then all of a sudden, this poll just exploded with Clue fans. And... 
we watched it. It was a great time. I had a great time with it. Uh, I wish I watched it sooner. It was a lot of fun. It was just a super fun movie. Hell yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, still haven't played the game in 20-something years. I think the last time I played the game was 2015 when I found out my wife was insanely competitive. And I've been scared to play uh -oh. with her ever since. She does not strike you that way, but you play a game with her and something else, something else wakes up within her. Um... I actually really don't like board games in general. I don't like games at all. I don't play games. I'm always serious. Um, no, but I, I don't like games because I'm like, why would you take my social time and add structure and rules I have to follow to it? Like, I don't, I don't enjoy that at all most of the time. Um, but man, Clue is one of the only games I've ever liked. There was just something about it. That was my go-to board game as a kid. Um you would honestly have an easier time selling me on Clue as an adult um, than a lot of cooler board games that adults play that are designed for adults. So, um, yeah. I saw this movie a couple of years ago. Loved it. Um, Tim Curry is one of my favorite actors, and I like spooky old mansions. They're cool. Um, so, I don't know if this will be applicable, but I was going to ask you who was your go-to character when you played Clue. Honestly, I can't even remember. Like, I... I could tell you my go-to Monopoly piece, but I don't think I really had a go-to Clue character. I don't think we had Clue in our house. Oh, okay. I think we had it at, like, school or something. Well, what was your go-to Monopoly piece, then? It's, it's a little car. Come on. And if that piece were a Clue character, which one would it be? Uh... Mr. Green? That's my go-to clue character. So we're the it's same. It's Prius, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I, I always played Mr. Green as a kid because at the time my favorite color was green. But I've gone through some personal growth and development. It wasn't plum? Well, my favorite color is now purple. So I think I, I actually, for work one time, cosplayed as Professor Plum. It was fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah. Um, so we talked a lot about how King of Comedy, uh, well, Joker paid homage to King of Comedy. Um, how cool is it that Reservoir Dogs played, paid homage to <laughs> by giving all their characters color names so no one could identify them? Dude. Imagine having Tim Curry running around at the end, like... <laughs> Dragging Harvey Keitel and a gunshot, Steve, uh, Tim Roth, just like... I should never have gone in on someone I wasn't 100% on, uh-huh! <laughs> Nobody tips the butler! <laughs> I, uh, I want to give uh, an acknowledgement to enemy of the show, Davis Kauk, who has the best Tim Curry laughing impression I've ever heard. Greg's giving you a middle finger, but I'll bet he'll redact the middle finger. You can't finger. do anything about it. <laughs> if, if I tell Greg that uh, enemy of the show, Davis Kauk, is uh, probably the biggest fan of The Matrix I know, and he actually listened to that episode and said he agreed with most oh. of our takes. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. But he still wants to be an enemy of the show because he thinks it's cooler than being friend of the show, and I've got to agree. Need a, we need a villain, We need a honestly. villain. We need a villain. I, I, I like being able to just directly talk shit to somebody yeah i'm if he wants to be that person i'm not gonna stop him 
Well, he can't Stupid stop Stupid idiot. He's listening to us right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're destined to do us. this forever, Davis. We're destined yeah. to do this forever. Is that, a, is that another Joker thing? Um, yeah, it's it's from The Dark Knight. It's a movie. Not a, a lot of people have seen it. but uh, It's an indie flick. Yeah. Um, most people haven't heard of. Yeah, I think the movie Joker really paid homage to it. <laughs> <laughs> We're stupid. Um, well, something I loved about Clue, um, I both love and hate the ensemble cast. Um, when it's done poorly, I think it's the laziest shit ever. Um, an example of it being done poorly is beloved classic Love Actually. Fuck that movie. It's not better than Gremlins. My wife and I got in a real fight about that like three years ago. Well, <laughs> you can't have Love Actually. Fuck Love Actually. So that is. I haven't seen it. Dude, fuck it. Don't see it. It sucks. Oh, we're going to do a Valentine's Day episode, aren't we? Or is it's this a, a Christmas, Christmas movie? It's a Christmas movie. I haven't seen... I don't know what it's about at all, but I'm looking at it right now. It's a bunch of half-finished stories that... Yeah. Like, create the... Experience. Never mind. Yeah, it sucks. Um, I'm done. Yeah, I was about to spoil it for you, and I stopped. Um, I don't care. Well, let's just say an airport... Oh, it's got Karen Knightley. An airport is not a third act. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I, I think that's the laziest shit you could do when you have an ensemble cast and uh, we're really supposed to connect to the celebrities more than the characters that are playing them. You know, like we're supposed to be like, oh, that's Alan Rickman. I love Alan Rickman. I love Kiera Knightley. But their characters don't have much to them in those movies. Um, well, I don't know, whatever. But I think a really, really well done ensemble cast is one of the most expert skills that can be displayed about an ensemble cast and how much I appreciated it um, they managed to give all of these characters that really were designed by the board game to be one note characters um, they don't even have a backstory you just have a color and a picture um, and I thought the, the characters all felt very fleshed out um, you know this this whole movie I was just like talk about making something out of nothing you know like they just the board game is like you know someone gets killed there's multiple suspects and they all look a certain way um that's literally all, and, and a weapon um man they just like they just turned something that could have been so superficial and so lame and so stupid and honestly should have been um into something really great and really classic and dare I say timeless because a lot of people who were good at their job gave a shit and that's what I like to see in my movies mm -hmm. yeah just like creating characters out of not a lot or like literally nothing like all you had to work with was names and like kind of appearances and instead of going too overboard and just like fleshing them out to the point of like exhaustion they're just like here's a couple things about them we're not going to show it to you yeah they're going to talk about it it's going to be important to the plot that we've created but you know we'll we'll keep it minimal and we'll give it something to make them more human but that's all it needs that's all they got so it worked out really great well yeah they they wrote a script where part of the reveal is the backstory you know mm -hmm. so we can like we can kind of get a feel for these characters' personalities. Excuse me. 
had to had to choke down a burp. Um, but we can kind of get a feel Classic. for their pers- personalities. Um, but really, they do a really good job of making us care about them and making them seem like individuals without telling us very much about them because a lot of the stuff we cannot know until the third act. You know, like, they mm-hmm. really play it very close to the vest and they don't seem like they're doing it and that's just that's what i love about the movie i think it was honestly one of the smarter scripts of its kind i've ever seen yeah it was awesome yeah absolutely um did you notice that uh speaking of one note characters Christopher Lloyd's Professor Plum is uh, essentially a necro horn dog who took two opportunities to grab that hashtag, as Gen Z says, dead ass. <laughs> this is the first time I've encountered the phrase when it was actually a dead ass. Um, he oh grabs the the dead the dead chef's ass twice, <laughs> and like really lets his hand rest there. Oh man, he grabs what's her face's ass too. Yeah, in the beginning. Was- he was a he was a yeah that's that's just what my childhood favorite hasbro board game was missing was horniness (laughs) you weren't horny when you played clue i was just like oh what if what if she just like ran down the stairs and i just couldn't take my eyes off it like (laughs) the way they mix the sexuality with the violence i like like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah no but but it was you know it was such a horny movie well yeah and i don't want to glorify something that's abhorrent that he was like sexually assaulting women essentially uh not essentially just definitely he was Uh, doing it but that was his character was that he was a doctor who abused his position of power for sex um Mm -hmm. and it tracked it wasn't glorified it was it was tracking but yeah this was a horny movie this is a super horny movie it's not just him (laughs) everybody's horny everybody's horny i mean they pretended to make out with dead people (laughs) that that scene was so funny though it was so good Um, everyone's in here having a good time (laughs) so great and that's what like again uh much like our discussion on this is spinal tap this is a smart script with a million witty jokes just like jam-packed into it mm-hmm. and then they take it to the next level with their slapstick with yeah. their physical comedy um it's, it's just so many moments like that where they're manipulating the bodies that's so good Dude, um kissing like a dead person to sell a lie just tells you how deep they're willing to go and it's great well yeah i mean like every person in this movie is functionally a sociopath you know like they mm-hmm. they are unmoved by the horrible events that are unfolding in front of them and are only worried about am i gonna get away with it with my reputation intact that's yeah. all they care about and it's it's hard to do a movie like this without a without a redeeming character i i mean i guess tim curry's character is um wadsworth is uh is pretty he's our baby face he's our good guy that we uh i guess i don't know about relate to but certainly admire mm-hmm. <laughs> i've never been a, a crazy butler guy um working through a masterminded plot but i admired his aplomb that he used in ah. all of those situations yeah that's a that's a that's a reference right there um, to the movie yeah I laughed when the blackmail documents completely missed the fire when they threw them in the Dude, fire pit. They were 
<laughs> At least they went towards the fire. They, <laughs> they were near the fire. The folder and like one thing was in the fire, the rest fell flat. <laughs> I believed that if that fire burnt all night, it had a chance of burning the documents. And yeah. That's what was important for my disbelief. The the corner of the envelope might have got singed pretty good. Yes. Um I also learned what a literal doorbell is from this movie. I think it's the only time I've ever seen it referenced ever anywhere where they literally ring a bell at the door. Kind of yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. I, it's, it's old fashioned, but yeah. I feel like I, I, I would hate it, but <laughs> 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 it was cool to see in this movie for sure. So, uh, speaking of old-fashioned this movie is basically one of those weird movies where everyone's acting like it's a different time even though it's not you know like they're kind of like referencing these kind of like 1940s era murder mysteries but Mm -hmm. we see from like the police and all that stuff that it's not necessarily that time frame well weren't Um, the cars like the cars and stuff even the police car weren't they kind of like 50s 60s era yeah, I guess so. When was uh, when was Hoover the head of the FBI? I don't know. That dates the movie. Uh, what am I, a fucking historian? J. Edgar Hoover, FBI tenure. Cheers, man. <laughs> Taking a moment to sip while we have compelling audio. He, he was the FBI director from 24 to 72. Okay, so this could be anywhere. <laughs> this could be anywhere, brother. Oh, no, from 35 to 72. 35. That doesn't help much. <laughs> that doesn't help at all. Uh-oh. So, um, okay, so we don't know what time this was in. Uh, the cop that showed up definitely struck me as an 80s cop. Yeah, I don't he wasn't know. like running around with a billy club. Like his uniform was much more modern than I would expect from from a, a period piece. I would say. But the attitude towards homosexuals is definitely of a fifties period, without a doubt. And uh, if you're on the wrong side of history of a twenty twenty one period, um, so I don't know, man. It's a weird movie. I guess now that Hoover thing kind of blew my mind. I don't really know when this movie was set, but it seemed to pull from modern elements and classic elements. And by modern elements, I mean they were modern 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what do, what do we know about all that? Um, yeah, no, I just, I really, really like this movie. Um, oh, that's where I was initially leading with this rabbit trail before we decided to try to figure out when it was set. Something I did not like, the one thing I really didn't like about this movie, was the casting of Mr. Body. Um, Dude, the guy that looks like he's a modern day, like, Plano dad? Yeah, when everyone is, oh like, my God. high camp as fuck. Like, everyone's camping it up, troping it up. We got this one fucking rando who's the he's fucking like, hey. MacGuffin of this whole fucking thing. I brought my cooler to soccer practice. <laughs> what the fuck was that guy all about? I'm gonna close these accounts. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. He was a he was like a upper middle class suburban dad. 
he did not fit in this movie. He did not it, fit the bill. <laughs> of all the things that should have broke my immersion but did not because they were so well done, um, <laughs> he did. Just his casting. Like, I, I wouldn't even call it a bad performance. Like, he just... He just didn't fit the movie, you know? Like, it just was, was a bad casting for what they were going for. So, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, how about that build-up to the finale? What a build-up. With the uh, different sort of endings? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, no. I'm talking about Tim Curry's mad dash around the house. Dude, that's what I was going to talk about when you referenced uh, the physical comedy of the movie. Yep. Like Specifically, Tim Curry's like physical acting. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious in that scene. Mm-hmm. Just the mad dash, the fast talking. They are like, okay, and then he came in this room, and then he stabbed the maid. All right, let's go over here. And it's just like everyone's finally caught up maybe catching their breath and we're sprinting over to the next room to the next it's so funny well i loved it because it was like kind of for the audience because we just had like so many twists and turns that were kind of hard to keep up with that that whole montage was to like remind us of the whole movie but it also just worked diegetically with like the absurdity of this character wadsworth you know like and him just like wanting to do these reveals and just like so many funny moments like will you stop and he's just like no (laughs) it just keeps going (laughs) because like a modern mystery would just drag that out and deliver that entirely through dialogue and like slow down the pace considerably but when (laughs) there's just so much that happened yeah the fact that they just like hit 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 here's the details yeah that works so well like you kind of had to but it also like worked for the sake of the the comedy and the sense of humor of the movie oh it was on point like just everything about the choices made from an artistic perspective of a comedy in those scenes was just chef's kiss (laughs) couldn't have done it better no notes so (laughs) so good go watch clue people if you haven't seen it go watch it it's so so smart and hilarious and dumb (laughs) like i've never seen a like a movie just personified just like simultaneously smart and dumb it reaches that perfect dichotomy of those two and it's just it's makes it such a treat you can give it like your utmost attention and you'll just like you'll be given the smart answer or you'll give it no attention and just be like ha, <laughs> that's crazy man well, and yeah, it'll they, give you it'll satisfy that itch as well well even with like uh even with their little jokes they kind of outsmart the audience in so many ways that they're like like one that i wrote down that i loved was like when a character asked tim curry how did you know that and he goes can you keep a secret yes so can i so great um god it just it just worked on every level man it just what was on... what was that line they kept repeating towards the end communism the... was a red herring no no it was well that was one of them too <laughs> it's just like well now i'm confused and someone says like now you're confused or yeah, something like that yeah, what, yeah. what was it i can't remember what it was I thought that was funny. Like, the repeated lines were... I, I love a good, like, repeated line kind yeah. of joke. 
Well, and this one had a few, and they all landed. <laughs> what lends itself better to that than multiple endings that are? Uh, we we didn't even, we haven't even talked about this gimmick yet. I don't know if you're aware that uh, if you're watching it on DVD, they just show you all the endings and tell you the real one. But when they released it in theaters, there were there was only one ending, so you had to go see the movie three times to get all the endings. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, it's one of the really cool things about this movie, and its lack of financial success <laughs> is probably why this, in my opinion... A How? Great, a great idea never happened again, that there were multiple endings, and so you and your friend would go see this movie and talk about how it ended and who did it and have different stories and just probably argue about it until you realized, holy shit, there were different endings to the they movie. They showed me a different thing than they showed you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go together and watch it again, and it should have made more money based on that. Well, and there was no way of Come predicting. On. You know, like, maybe you get the same ending the next time you go. Are we going to get the Snyder cut? Are we going to get the Mr. Plum cut? I don't exactly. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so this movie was released with different endings without a lot of explanation, which I think is just really fucking cool i think it's awesome no that rules that makes it a lot cooler in my mind oh okay yeah so you didn't know that and you just watched it with with the three endings yeah it it had the three endings like that could have happened yeah this also could have happened but here's what really happened yep i think that's what the title card said something along those lines yeah my uh my dvd has an option where you can watch it with all three or you can get a random one (laughs) <laughs> that's cool pretty cool that's awesome <laughs> kind of stuff you can't get from vod brother brother suck it digital media what uh what was your favorite ending of the three we got uh i like the real one yeah yeah the re- just because like all of them being the murder that that's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah. that, that rules and i think the you, the first one was pretty satisfying we're uh uh, what's her What's her name? Does was it? it Miss uh, Miss Peacock? Right. No, the other one. The lady in the gold dress. The lady in the green dress. That was Miss. Well, I'm pretty sure Miss Peacock did it in the first one, man. Oh, in the order I saw it, it was. Um... This is the conversation they wanted this, to have. Miss Scarlet. Miss Scarlet. Okay, it might be Miss Scarlet. I want to say that that ending was second on my DVD, though. I, I legitimately... I watched it this morning. Oh, they're, they're screwing with us even now, man. This is part of it. Oh. This is part of it. Tim Curry, if you listen, could you clear this up? And also make my life by acknowledging my existence. <laughs> you only need to acknowledge your own existence, buddy. Thanks, buddy. You're right. But, Tim Curry, it would be... It would help. <laughs> it would be gravy. But still, but I I'm always I always order gravy. Um all this goes to say, <laughs> I, I really liked the one where Miss Peacock did it, and then the one where everybody's the murderer and you still get a twist and you still get a the butler did it reference. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, you've gotta you've gotta have a the butler did it in this kind of movie, right? Yeah, exactly. You gotta be kidding me. 
I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife. Freeze frame. I love the oh freeze Oh my frames. god, that was so funny. <laughs> oh man. Perfect line for a freeze frame, man. Yeah. We kind of went through the whole movie already without really touching on too much. You know, we said it before we really started talking about it, and it's... This is another one for me, like, this is Spinal Tap, where I'm like... I really don't have a lot to say other than I really, really liked it and thought it was hilarious and smart and brilliant. And I could say all the jokes myself and talk about how I liked this joke and I liked that joke. Or I could let the movie speak for itself and have you go watch it as a listener. Um, If you haven't seen Clue by now, you know, I think any meaningful discourse I could add, I've already added to it. I think it's just, it's a great movie. It's really, really good, man. It's a fantastic flick, and it needs more love. You have anything else, Greg? No. Yeah, same sentiment. Like, the only discussion we could really have about it is just, like, spoiling jokes. And we don't want that. Like, go go into it. Have some fun. Um, we discussed all three endings already right Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah we should have led with this we should have given it a whiplash intro the the mystery doesn't have you know the mystery isn't why you're watching it you're you stay you stick with it because it's just fun watching these characters like distrust each other and like all the gags between them distrusting each other yeah it's it's a super fun watch it's a brilliant movie. It's I, I love every time they introduce a new character. It's just like, well, this guy's probably gonna die. Yeah. Well, then like by the they time become it's so telegram, they just shoot her on sight. <laughs> she, she's alive on screen for five seconds. She's just dead. It's so awesome, and like everyone's desensitized to it. They're they're just like, well. She shouldn't have come here, anyways. <laughs> yep. We killed five people. What's one more? Uh, like, each dead body gets decreasingly... <laughs> emo- gets a decreasing level of emotional impact from the characters. Yep. And it's amazing. <laughs> yep. It's brilliant. Um, Greg, what is your favorite budgetary expense in this movie? Uh, my favorite budgetary expense is actually the house itself and the disposable chandeliers. Mm. Imagine Haunted Mansion with this set. Yeah, the set. Oh my god, man. It was so cool. I felt like I was there. Yeah. Like, I I understood the geometry of the place. Like, I felt like I knew where to go. Like, if I wanted to go to the dining room, oh, I know where to go. Which is an essential part of the board game. Yeah, exactly. They were make it make us. sense. Give me the layout yeah. without like being too dumb and obvious with it, yeah. and I could explore this space myself and find the secret passages or whatever. It was, it was a fun setting. Yep. Boy, did they get some mileage out of that cool-ass set. Like, yeah. Just bottled everybody up. No one enters. Well, lots of people entered. No one leaves. (laughs) Um, Man, my favorite budgetary expense is Tim Curry's salary. Um, Yeah. He, team on his back for this movie, even with, like, not that the other actors didn't carry their weight. You know, like, there was was no weak link in this chain. Well, Mr. Body. But, um, (laughs) 
he wasn't around for very long. So um, after fine. he was yeah. dead, there were no more weak links. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I thought Tim Curry was fantastic. He is one of my favorite actors ever, 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 ever. Like honestly, if I didn't go too deep into the Nick Cage rabbit hole, I'd be telling people Tim Curry is my favorite actor. I just I have such an just a respect and an admiration for him as a performer um i loved hearing him kind of draw on uh, dr frankenfurter a little bit there were a couple frankenfurter laughs in this movie that i really loved and uh i just think this was one of his finest performances in a career full of all-time performances i loved tim curry in this movie Mm-hmm. It, that's kind of my same sentiment with uh jerry lewis Mm-hmm. in king of comedy he was great um what was it, your favorite I'm, line oh sorry I, I talked over you but, but yeah uh you're talking about him being one of your favorite actors i'm looking at the poster behind you of the rocky horror picture show yep tim curry's so, right there i didn't even realize it he's uh he's not he's not lying there he is the, he's the angel on my shoulder right now so there's also a Rocky Horror Picture Show commemorative <laughs> shelf in this room where I have two Dr. Frankenfurter toys um, sitting and hanging out. Um, Greg, what is your favorite line? That one was kind of hard because there's so many good one-liners. So and like many. Double entendres that... Yeah, they were just so funny. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say it was Tim Curry saying, I choose to expose myself. <laughs> <laughs> Not how Wadsworth or a lady's present. But uh, <laughs> I think it was somewhere towards the beginning or the middle of the movie. Someone says, she had friends who were socialists. <laughs> it's, it's Tim Curry. <laughs> Brilliant. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. That was his blackmail, was that his wife had socialist friends. <laughs> That's right. I, I wrote that one down, but I'm going to stick with another Tim Curry line when someone asks him, why is J. Edgar Hoover on your phone? And he responds, I don't know. He's on everyone else's. Why shouldn't he be on mine? <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Brilliant. Um... What is your critic or score, Greg? I gave this one a 30 out of 40. So seven and a half. Not bad. Pretty Not good. Bad. Good good fun. What's the uh, what's the justification? Any thoughts, feelings? What went into that decision? I don't know. Unexpectedly had a good time, so it got a pretty positive rating. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... <laughs> Un- the unnecessary horniness and <laughs> that—that's what did it for you. No, the it's just like horniness. No, 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 no. Come on. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't push a lot of my personal enjoyment buttons, I guess. Um. But I, I still had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was a really good time. That's, that's a. That's a good score, man. Like I gave no, it. No, no, no. It is. It is. I gave uh, it a higher rating than Treasure Planet, and I said I like that movie a lot. So. No, no. Sorry, I wasn't meaning to insult your score. I was just like, hey, elaborate. Tell us about your process. I really, I wasn't trying to challenge you. Excuse me if it came across that way. It's it's a good movie that I'm glad I watched, and I wouldn't hate seeing it again. 
uh, but I'm not necessarily seeking out another viewing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a this is a 42 out of 50 for me. Um, nice. In terms of just like farcical comedies, I think this is just above a cut above the rest. Um, again, it's kind of self-contained. It's not like there's anything like powerful or transcendent about this movie, and they're not trying for that. Um, no, I just I loved it. It did hit a lot of my personal enjoyment buttons in the sense that it had a. It was based on one of the only board games I have ever truly enjoyed, and it also has like. You know, I love my tropes. I love classic Hollywood. I love old school stuff like that. Um, we have not covered a noir on this podcast. Uh, I don't even know if Greg knows this about me. I am a noir fiend. I love film noir, and this is uh, kind of paying paying homage to some classic mysteries like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, honestly, I wish I wish I had like I wish I had prepared a speech about how much i love tim curry for this episode like now that i look back i'm like i really wish i like prepared a statement (laughs) about like what he means to me as a performer he's someone that i've been like man if i could just emulate you in the slightest i would feel so accomplished about the the creative products i put out um i just i love the man's work um and i also think it is hilarious i love the uh I've referenced it a lot. Airplane. I love the joke a minute, twisting words. Um, you know, mi- miscommunication is hard to do well. Um, I hate poorly done scripts that are based on miscommunication. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Hate it. Please. Hate it. But when it's done well, specifically in comedy, I guess I like, I really can't handle miscommunication being a crux of the plot in dramas. I'm yeah, just like, dude, you're adults. Just fucking talk. Like, we you talked know, like, about MVP. Yeah, yeah, MVP. Yeah, no, the the birthday invitation was. Ooh, we haven't talked yeah. about monkeys for a while. Yeah, <laughs> we're really, right. we're really getting in touch with our roots. We gotta um, watch some other movies, baby. No, yeah, but like, uh, I, I really hate when it's like adults should have just clarified a statement, but instead just walked away. I think it can work really well in comedy, and I think that, like, Clue and Arrested Development are two examples of comedy that do miscommunication really, 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 really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and for it to work, everyone ha- everyone in the story has to be a terrible person who, like, values others so little that they would never clarify a miscommunication, and that's why it works, you know, like, because, like... Yeah you just have to have this cast of awful people who don't give a shit about what anyone else is saying. Um, and that's why it's believable. You're summarizing why I don't like the show friends. And I really (laughs) appreciate that, man. I didn't even get to miscommunication. I hate friends just because it generally sucks. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to have like a whole string of bonus episodes of TV shows. We hate or dislike at a certain point smelly cats that's so funny (laughs) fuck off (laughs) one time one of my friends tried to tell me that friends was derivative of seinfeld and i never forgave him (laughs) i would have fallen asleep during that whole discussion why are we wasting airspace that we could be giving to clue on on friends fuck that stupid 
unremarkable hey. shit show. <laughs> Don't even give him the satisfaction, Sorry. Denny. Sorry. Um, <sighs> I love Clue. It's a great movie. I'm a huge fan, Greg. I really, really, really love it. Denny, I got bad news. What's that? I do not have an episode for next week selected at all. Yeah, I was already thinking about that. Do you want to just uh, close your eyes and point at the spreadsheet? I'll do whatever. Uh, um, I've got a couple here. I've got movies for when the boys are coming over. Ooh. Um, here's one I want to save to later, so don't worry, worry about that. Uh... Like, all the ones that we really have planned are Halloween-centric. I don't want to save that for October. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cage Therapy, we did just have our pig episode, mm-hmm. so... Mm. Here's when you have movies for when only 90s kids will understand. That could be pretty fun. I don't. Neither of us have picks for that yet. Oh, shit, dog. You want to do movies for when only 90s kids will understand? Yeah, I'm down with that. All right. Pencil it in. Bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's let's do our last gimmick and not forget it like we always do. That's right. Uh, Denny. Uh, Denny Taylor in the podcast room. Murder me with a catchphrase. No, Greg. We're, What's we're not to catchphrases. We're not around to catchphrase. Greg, what, it, what is the best movie for when you want to see a box office bomb that is... Uh, oh, it's King of Comedy. King of Comedy? I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, these, these were all good. I, I think this is the best trio of movies we've ever done so far. Yeah. Um, without a doubt. Um, I'm going to go with King of Comedy also. Um, good choice. Greg, tell the people what we're doing next week. Uh, next week we're going to be doing... Uh, movies for when only 90s kids will understand. Ooh. Is that movies that are only in the 90s or movies for people that were born in the 90s? Uh, I'll leave that up to interpretation. For me, the way I interpret that title is a movie that you watched when you were a kid in the 90s that no one would give a shit about if they weren't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and we have the perfect audience base to come up with a third suggestion. For Not that. diverse. <laughs> I've I've looked at I've looked at the analytics. You are all in the same age range. Man, you are not our... unique. You are not special. <laughs> I'm gonna have to delete. Love you. A, I'm gonna have to delete a potential episode, which is uh, movies for when you're an aging millennial. But uh, it's just the same ep- episode as when only '90s kids will understand. <laughs> We're about to do it already. Yep. Greg, do you have a pick? Do you want to shoot from the hip, or do you want to think about it? We just picked no. this now. I I, I want to think about it. I've got my pick. If oh oh I'll I'll type it in right now. Something I've been wanting to rewatch for a long time that was referenced in the group chat earlier today by mm-hmm. BFF of the show Chris Boyd. I want to watch Man of the House with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Chevy Chase. Wow. I was I that was a you know how like you go to your grandparents' house and they have a smaller selection of tapes and you just you wear out the old favorites. Ooh. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. That was one of them for me. I watched the living shit out of Man of the House every time I went to my grandma's house. Dude, uh, ooh, I'm... 
you, you, you've inspired, you've inspired me. I've, um, I'm trying to decide between two here. Uh, Nate Wallace has already influenced our Hot Boy Summer episode with Hot Rod. I can't decide if I want to do one of his movies, Three Ninjas, Ooh, or, I've never seen it. or I talked about the podcast known as Blank Check. Oh shit, I love Blank Check. We could do the movie called Blank Check. This is literally what happened every time I went to Blockbuster. Three Ninjas was always in the running, but a frequent runner-up for a blank check or something like it. I yeah. almost, I always almost rented Three Ninjas and never did it, but man, choose, choose what you want to choose. Now, now we've almost shit, chosen. Dude, I, love, I love blank check. I'm, I'm doing blank check. All right. Weird pedophilia scene aside, what a great movie. I don't remember that part. Shit. <laughs> well... I guess well, we have a lot to come to terms tune with. Tune in next week. Fucking <laughs> movies. Um, I, I feel like we've got to do, for this one, for our for our audience, I think we've got to do the same thing we did last week, which is let them make suggestions, filter them down to a poll, and let them vote. I think this right. is going to be a madhouse. I think people are going to have a lot of fun with it. There you go. I think that's a great idea. Uh, we'll be less strict. We'll be less choosy. This is all going to be similar themes. We'll get stuff like Clueless. We'll get stuff like... Fuck Clueless. It's, it's whatever. That's don't pick Clueless. I just watched it, and I don't want to watch it again. I wasn't. You could do Lion King or Aladdin. Man, that's transcendent. Those are... Oh, I'm talking, yeah. like, only if you were... a dumbass kid watching dumbass movies that don't age well in the 90s only you will understand that you liked this so with our third selection being brink um <laughs> dude the guys from brink came to the fucking skate park in my town you got their autographs right no i didn't go oh wow what I a fool i found out about it after the fact but i'm still bragging about it like it meant something to me. <laughs> just knowing they were there <laughs> it counts i How was dare honored you by where... their presence how dare you skate where they skated <laughs> how dare you shred where they shred not me not ben margera you <laughs> yeah if you want to uh give <sighs> suggestions and uh vote on the third feature for the next episode please follow us on facebook search for movies for win uh follow us on twitter at movies for win instagram maybe later we'll see thank you everybody for listening and thank you joseph canerad for encouraging us to make an instagram we should do that shit man <laughs> i don't have time but I, mean, I, I do but i choose not to use it to do productive things <laughs> i literally don't have time <laughs> I have time to make the podcast. That's all I have time to do. Yeah, well, I'm mentally ill. It takes up a lot of my free time. I'm just regular ill. Shit, dog. There you go. Denny. I'm going to repeat myself. <laughs> Denny, in the podcast room, murder me with the catchphrase. For Greg Work, the butler did it, Johnson.
<sighs> I'm Denny, the Necro Horn Dog Taylor. <laughs> this is movies for when? We already told you when. Louie, Louie, uh oh, oh, baby. That's... Watch Man of the House. It's for Man of the House. I'm getting excited for next week. No, you can't preview it. Lou-